So I don't know what's going on. Just give me a thumbs up if you could hear me. Cool, 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 cool. So yeah, I opened it a little earlier than the, the guests are going to come on. Um, got Neutron coming on first. I think um, I think uh, Soy is going to come on for Neutron. He's a community manager type guy. He's really good at uh, really good at the conversation on these spaces. Then we're going to head into Jackal, which is. I don't know, probably the, the, the least talked about token in the whole ecosystem, but it's doing the best besides maybe injective over the past year. We got White Whale is going to elaborate more on their uh, their multitude of DEXs and whatnot. They've got so many things going on, and we didn't get enough time to dive into some of the stuff last time. And then Astrovault, who is launching their token on Friday, we're going to talk mainly about the token. Actually, with all these projects, we're going to talk mostly about tokens. So sit tight. We'll get started in like a minute. I'm going to just kind of muzzle my kids a little bit over here so they don't interrupt. And uh, yeah, the next three, four hours should be a lot of fun. Right, I just got finished sharing the, uh, the space link to the, the different Telegram groups of the projects that are joining. But just, just so you guys know, not going to have all the projects on at the same time. I kind of divided it up into like 30 to 40 minute segments. Up at the top of the space, that's the order in which they will join us. And like I said, in about uh, like ten minutes, in like ten minutes, we'll have a we'll have Neutron on first. I just completed an interview last month with the 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 main dev, you could call her the core contributor for Neutron. And you know, we got into ICS a little bit, but not too much about the token. He did. He did identify some of the apps that are building on the chain that he's very optimistic that will do well. Of course, we have drama between Osmosis and uh, and Neutron today, which is good for me because I have Neutron on my space and I'm interviewing Sun from Osmosis today. So that'll be fun for me to uh, dig into that. But I think in general, Neutron is definitely a competitor for Osmosis the same way Kujira is. There's no denying that. Um, I mean, technically, Megaloo and Astrovolt are also competitors for Osmosis. Osmosis is getting pushed to, you know, into different business models because obviously their token got got absolutely demolished in the bear market. So we'll get into that. Um, how you guys doing? Anyone want to come up and you guys can just come up and shill stuff if you've got it. Okay, just request a mic if you got to come up and shill. Sixty second shill. We can do that for a while. If not, I'll just talk about markets, which is boring because Bitcoin's now. And actually, funky, I was looking at the, that Polkadot-Dex token, the Astar, Astar, and that other one that I was telling you about. I'm probably gonna, I'm gonna have to get involved in that pretty soon. I, I, I'm just rounding out my portfolio. I want some more higher risk, higher reward type tokens, and that looks pretty good. 
So, of course, we've got the ETF stuff that happened last week. There was a kind of a sell the news, kind of a sell the news type thing, but a lot of people were predicting that. I don't really day trade or even swing trade, really. Just kind of kind of buy when I see opportunities. And my plan is to sell stuff like throughout this year, towards the end of this year, because I'm assuming that the prices will just be higher. Bitcoin is at like 42.5 right now. People are coming, you know, like, oh my God, Bitcoin, it can't go above 50,000. But I think this time last year, if you told people that in 12 months, Bitcoin would be over 40,000, every single person would have signed up for that. And the, you know, the, the, the altcoins have responded accordingly. Obviously, the altcoins catch a bid whenever Bitcoin catches a bid. I think that we haven't seen anything yet because Ethereum has been pretty stagnant, right? And I think Ethereum, once there's talk about the next ETFs, Ethereum is definitely going to be involved. Um, there's already there's already a grayscale fund for ETH, right? So obviously, I think there's going to be interest in making ETH the next or among the next few tokens that get put into an ETF. I think you'll see ETH do really well. Um, the gas fees to me are irrelevant when it comes to price. I don't know how you guys feel, but again, if anyone wants to come up, feel free to grab the mic. Got uh, Scott, how you doing, man? I watched some of your your stream the other night when you had Eric on. And actually, I see Amanda. Amanda, if you want to come up and show your new business, I think it's a good idea. Your new company. For those of you who don't know, Amanda puts on um, IRL events, crypto-related events in and around New York City. And uh, she's just launched officially as her event planning business. So she's available to host events, put on events, organize events. And I've been to a few of them that are really good. Really good. And, you know, Tank was supposed to join me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite Tank. I don't know if he's, he might be doing his live stream now. I know he had a live stream uh, today. Let's see. Let's see if I can get him involved. But either way, we'll put our neutron in here any minute. Any minute. Yeah, just again, make sure you guys can hear me. Give me a thumbs up. I know there's some background noise, but um, it's not as bad as what it could be. I got, I got both my kids here sick. So, oh, and here's something I forgot to show before Neutron comes on. Uh, in my in my profile, in my profile, I have a link tree. I have a Telegram, and um, in that Telegram, it's an announcements only Telegram. There's no chat to follow. There's no annoying like bots and advertisements and whatnot. It's just announcements. And I also share in there a Google form whenever I'm doing interviews for community members to actually submit questions. So I got a whole bunch of questions submitted for the interview today with Sunny. Feel free to um, feel free to uh, join. You might have to scroll up a couple of posts, but you could submit questions. Might be too late to get it in for Sunny today, but you know, maybe for the, for the next one or just hang out, wait for, wait for um, the next interview. Cause I like to field community questions because people usually ask stuff that I would never even think to ask, which is always interesting during the interview. Tank, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Sorry about that. Ran a little bit over on the stream. Was trying to give away some money. Uh, what's how just, no, no, it's okay. how's your day going, man? Is it cold where you're at? Um, It's been like, like, bouncing between like 30 and 55 degrees the last couple of weeks it's been a very volatile very volatile weather 
Ah, Tennessee got a bunch of snow, so the kids are outside playing. It's uh, yeah, it's been it's been pretty fun. Didn't you just tell me like uh, two months ago? It's very rare for you guys to get snow. Yeah, we get it. We get it for like if we're lucky twice twice a year, and maybe it stays for like half a week at a time. But yeah, not bad, not bad. So I know uh, you missed the beginning, but basically, just like last time, I gave each project like a, basically a 30, 40 minute time slot. Can talk about anything. We can talk about tokens. We can talk about, you know, 2024 roadmap. We could talk about partnerships. So this should be good. And I appreciate you helping me out. I, I hate doing these by myself, but if you have to bounce on and off, obviously that's that's totally fine. And of course, let's. You got anything from the uh, markets that you want to recap from your your stream while we're waiting for Neutron to get here? Yeah, yeah. I was just. Uh, I'll make it real quick. Uh, I was telling everybody on the stream. Like, I'm not very convinced. I was looking at the. The daily, the four hour, the one hour uh, volume looks uh, like it's very weak right now. Uh, you know, Bitcoin's not doing anything great. It's kind of stuck uh, where it's been all weekend. Uh, same thing as, as far as Ethereum goes. You look at the total, total two, total three, you can see that it's basically just a few altcoins that have really been pulling things up uh, for over the past 24 to 48 hours. Uh, not financial advice, but like I, I'm just not very convinced right now. I'm, I'm still looking for the next uh, oomph, like the next narrative, the next thing to latch on to. I'm kind of uh, wondering what that's going to be now that the Bitcoin ETF has kind of played its its role. Um, and, um, and, you know, I don't know. I, like, I think the only thing now is it's really having time, right? Like, you got to sit back, got to watch the narrative for having. And as we get closer and closer, I think we'll edge over in the next month or two back up to like 44, 45. I wouldn't expect any fireworks up to like 50. If it does happen, great. I would always take profits. But like, I really wouldn't expect it. I'm, I'm, I'm really just kind of just in, in for the long haul. I don't see any like major dumps happening, although I could, like I'm prepared for it, but like, I, th I think we stay above 40. And, and I think, you know, I think we just kind of grind it out going up just a little bit. When the volume dwindles, does that mean there's probably a big move that's going to shake things up because the volume's so low? Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, people talk about bands or whatnot. I don't know if people like to watch the Bollinger or the Don Chan or whatever it is. It, it's more like a spring, just kind of like, just just compressing and compressing is getting squeezed and getting squeezed until something snaps. Uh, and, you know, I will say, uh, you know, I've been in these markets long enough. And it's the same thing for the traditional markets. That doesn't mean it does, it's going to pop to the upside. It could definitely pop to the downside, right? Especially if people are just degens and over leveraged like they seem to always do because we never learn from our oh mistakes. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, oh so, so yeah. I'd be, I'd be ready the, for the that as well. Get, the big moves get compounded with the leverage. Because, you know, in traditional markets, if if some of the bigger assets moved like one and a half percent in a single day, that would be like like eye opening. But for Bitcoin, you know, one and a half percent is nothing when there's volatility could be like four or five percent that could trigger a bunch of liquidations. Right. So it's 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 actually frustrating to watch, probably, if you're more, you know, more used to the traditional markets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, like, you know, like I was saying, I, I think more than anything, we'll probably grind it out. I, I'm hoping, crossing our fingers, that we stay above 40. But I'll be very honest, that's me being very optimistic. I'm prepared. I'm prepared to, for us to go like 32, 30. Uh, and I do have limit orders set in like at those levels and even below because emotions and momentum takes us quite a, like fear is a lot easier to latch on to, uh, you know, when, when things are happening. So. Just, just putting it out there. Yeah, I'm, I had I had limit orders around like 32, 31. But then I was thinking if Bitcoin does dip like that, for me, 
I'm looking for more volatility and more risk. I think I would rather look and see what stacks or the rune token is doing because they, yeah. they usually respond more volatile. So, and then they'll, they'll hopefully rebound in a more volatile way. So I think that would be my personal, not financial advice strategy, but I'm, I'm I consider my portfolio to be very conservative. So I'm, I'm looking for actually more risk at this time, because I do think, um, I think it, I think if you've been following the happening, you've been following the ETFs and you're also following the most important thing, which is the interest rates, right? The, the federal funds rates. I think that for me, this is kind of lining up to, to give me opportunity to play with some, you know, higher volatility tokens. But anyway, we got, we got spade up here, which is awesome. I mentioned before, just had spade on my YouTube. Uh, welcome, man. Appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you jumping on. Hey, for sure. It's a pleasure to be here. How you doing? So, do, doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, we, we got into like the, I guess like the ABCs of Neutron on the YouTube video. We really didn't get to deep dive any one particular thing, but just for people that are listening to recap it, and you could also correct me if I, if I miss something, but Neutron is the first consumer chain for Cosmos, right? They're the first chain to take advantage of interchange security. You guys don't have a validator set. You're using, I should say, you don't have, you have your own validator set. You're using the hubs validator set and um, you're a permissionless Cosmosm. DeFi smart contract platform. Is that about right? Yeah, that's right. Um, a, a few, like adding a few things. Um, I think technically you could say we have our own validator set. It's just that instead of selecting it based on, you know, who stakes the most NTRN, um, it's selected based on who stakes the most atom on the Cosmos Hub, right? Which is, you know, functionally equivalent, but it, it's kind of like, I think, an, a useful difference because. Neutron has a tender mint consensus engine, right? Um, and, and so it's kind of like, it's sometimes hard to visualize the difference in the architecture, but like that's kind of like how it works. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is like, so you said it very well, it's a um, Cosmosm permissionless platform, right? E.g. it's a chain, a project, a community that does everything it, it can to make people who are building applications able to do so in the most convenient, easy, um, efficient way. And to do so, like to this effect, it also includes a bunch of fairly advanced modules that are actually pieces of infrastructure at the service of that DeFi ecosystem, right? So the way I usually refer to it is basically Neutron is the integrated application network. The idea of like an integrated application, what I what I what I define by this is the idea that you know, you can build a DeFi dApp with a small contracts, right? That's efficient, that's standardized. But the problem is that you're going to hit into the limitations of that virtual machine eventually, right? We're seeing this a lot on EVM, whereby if you have kind of like ambitious mechanism design, then you'll face the, you know, limitations of the EVM eventually. Um, now in Cosmos, we have a solution for this, which is, hey, let's make an app chain. The whole blockchain is just tailor-made for this one specific application. So you have a lot more customizability, a lot more so like design space. The problem with that is the overhead, the cost. You know, you, you have to cater to an entire validator set. You have to rebuild all of the infrastructure, the relayers, extra, extra, right? And so what we're trying to do with Neutron is basically like offer the best of both worlds, right? We offer most of the customizability and power of an app chain, but with the standardization, the efficiency, 
um, the low cost, the smoother onboarding curve of smart contracts. And so an integrated application is basically an application where most of the code and logic is built as a set of smart contracts, but that is empowered by you know, application-specific modules and pieces of infrastructure to build a product that couldn't be built um, otherwise and to distribute it like efficiently, right? And so that includes stuff like you know, the ability to customize the block creation process to have like uh, block space auctions or like hooks into the block creation process in protocol oracles, like crushing infrastructure so that you're able to like own accounts with your, your DAP is able to own accounts on other blockchains, retrieve data from them, that, that kind of stuff. And for, from the end user perspective, there should be advantages for consumer chains being so closely tied to the hub, right? If you could enter the ecosystem easier, which you should be able to do with the Atom token, eventually as, you know, there are various like dashboards and you know, like just like landing pages where all the apps will, will kind of reside. I think that you guys should have some advantages there. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I, yeah. Well, so yes and no, I guess like, Yes, fundamentally. Um, what, it, what I would say is like probably the advantage is not necessarily directly to the end user. Um, like I think the main benefit for the, the end user is to know that like, hey, if you trust the hub, which is one of the top 10 blockchains in the entire industry by economic security, then you know you can you you can reasonably trust that Neutron's proof of stake security model is probably going to um, to be solid, um, which is not something that kind of like comes out of the box when you're launching your own chain, uh, but it does with replicated security. Um, so that's kind of like one of the main benefits, right? Is you know that this chain is economically secure at least. But I think most of the benefits actually come from more so like ecosystem development um, and kind of like ability to synergize between the Cosmos Hub, like the, the the broader Cosmos Hub community, and then that of the consumer chains, right? Like it is beneficial from the per, from the perspective of like integrating with various services, as you kind of like mentioned. It's beneficial from the perspective of having a joint kind of like fiscal or monetary policy, so that we're able to um, so like collaborate to inject capital in order to really boost the the development of new applications, new products, new services. Um, new trade routes within the ecosystem and things like this, right? Got it. Um, I know that you you probably are not going to speak on behalf of the different applications that are built on the chain, but you did mention a few that you were optimistic about that that did launch on on Neutron. I like Astroport actually. I, I I don't know Tank. Have you ever have you used Astroport? I have. I have. Especially yeah, I with the like flurry it. of activity that's been happening, I, I couldn't help but jump on. Yeah. Um, are, there, are there any other apps that you see as kind of building on Neutron that people are going to be drawn to for one reason or another? I know that there is an NFT platform that's going to be building on Neutron or is building on Neutron. I'm sure you guys have, I know you have Nolus, which is coming to Neutron if they haven't already. Any others that you could rattle off that people can kind of dig into on their own if they want to check it out? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I, I think Apollo has launched recently and they've been offering very appealing oh, products. Yeah. So, like, do check that out. Not financial advice, but, you know, the numbers are big. Um, so that usually catches my eyes. Um, and also, like, uh, you know, these guys are working on a bunch of things. They're working, like, some of their devs are working on a project. I, I don't know if they are actually public with this, but 
you know, something like Prism, which is, um, which I think is super interesting because it's going to compose extremely well with other projects that are launching in the ecosystem. Um, I think the, like the other, like beyond Astroport, like I think Astroport has come a long way. It's like, like, you know, I've, I've been a bull for on Astroport for like a very, very long time from back in the Terra days, basically. Um, and, you know, it's, it's great to see that the protocol is flourishing now. Uh, I think this is like a, a great success for the ecosystem. And, um, but I think another app that is going to bring tremendous value is like when the full kind of like vision that the Mars DAO has for the protocol is going to come to life later this year. I think this is going to be like pretty huge because Mars is actually going to be like a fully integrated application. It's going to, um, you know, use all of these smart contracts to be able to like, um, create basically credit accounts, um, which are basically a tokenized account in which, um, you know, whatever you put in, in this account, if it's recognized by Mars as collateral will contribute to your margin. And that allows you to, for example, let's say I'm providing liquidity on Astroport, right? I can move my LP tokens to my credit account on Mars. And if these LP tokens have been whitelisted as collateral, then that contributes to my margin. So I can now go and margin trade. So for example, I can provide liquidity, but I can hedge against the risk of one of the assets in the pool so that I can collect the yield, but without you know risking like the, the exposure to that asset. Like there's a bunch of things that can be done, right? Now, in itself, it's a very complex product, right? Um, you need to be fairly advanced if you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to you know, do this position and take this hedge and, and whatever. And it might require quite a lot of like, you know, manutention, let's say. But what's super interesting is that like, you know, the Apollo folks and other teams like this, they can come in and build on top of this thing to provide vaults that basically automate these things for you, right? And so like one thing that, like one emergent, dap or product that is coming to the ecosystem is kind of like you remember anchor anchor was nice right 20 percent on stable coins that's kind of like incredible uh now obviously it wasn't very sustainable now well we're probably not going to get quite to the 20 percent you can actually build that, that kind of product by using perps and like like various positions and like making them delta neutral so that you're collecting the yield on these things but not actually getting the exposure and you can automate all of this into a vault so that basically you just come in, you deposit capital, and then you get that, right? And that kind of like scales with the activity on the chain. And so I think, you know, the combinations of these things, like very advanced market expressivity for the most sophisticated users, but also very simple, easy to access products, um, they kind of like create this cohesive environment that we want to see eventually on, on within the AZ and the Cosmos Hub, right? Yeah. And when I first heard about interchain security at like a really basic level, and maybe Tank, you, you, you'll agree with me, it makes so much sense on paper, like for an efficiency standpoint and giving the Cosmos Hub a role to play as far as providing security. Not only providing security, but my thinking was, wow, now we're going to have a Cosmos ecosystem surrounding the hub plus we're going to have this giant ibc ecosystem like the the rest of cosmos let's call it when i heard about neutron i said oh wow neutron is going to directly compete with juno and it's going to have inherent advantages being closer to the hub i said juno is finished as far as i'm concerned because now we have neutron i i think obviously there are people that know more than me that are going to say there are lots of challenges around ics and it's not all it's cracked up to be I did see, um, which I was actually disappointed to see a bunch of money leave the, the hub community pool to basically go to competitors of the consumer chains. In my opinion, I think that that was not uh, 
not ideal to see a bunch of liquidity just kind of given away to um, persistence and um, and osmosis. Do you think that this is this has to change? Do you think it's just par for the course because the hub has Adam is really one of the only tokens that can be used throughout the ecosystem for this role? Would you like to see you know more alignment between the hub and and consumer chains like Neutron? Well. I don't, you know, I don't know about specific proposals necessarily, but what I would say is like, I think the hub needs a strategy, right? Um, like if the hub is to to continue growing and, and being healthy in the long term, which it really should be as a security provider and, you know, as our bags, um, it, it needs a strategy. And my general take on this is that the hub has a few products, right? And to me, there's three, really. Um, there's one atom itself um, which is kind of like you know this interchain collateral money governance money however you want to so like frame it um, but like atom is definitely one and perhaps the most important product of the cosmos hub and the other yeah, one, i agree with uh, that actually that, that, that's a good that's a good way to put it yeah the other kind of like products of the hub are one replicated security which is you know a security pro provision type of technological agreement which is unique because it's like it's a two-way agreement rather than one way like rollups and other so like provide security providers in the industry like if you look at eigenlayer or um, rollups like you have one party aligning with the other right you want your rollup you want ethereum alignment because that's how you're going to get you know ethereum axis to come in and deposit money into your rollup right um but in the case but but ethereum itself doesn't need to align with you right um that's different for replicated security when the hub adds you as a consumer chain it's making a bet on you and it wants you to succeed because that's how it's going to benefit itself right if it just lists whatever tokens it's just going to like whatever like um, chains it's not scalable enough let's say to be tremendously successful right so it's kind of like this two-way agreement and then the third product air quote of the hub is kind of like governance right and i think this is one that's like tremendously underdeveloped currently but the hub is one of the first chains in the industry really to have had like on-chain governance and to make this like a very key feature of the of the blockchain and i think we're so like moving as an industry towards a stage where on-chain governance is not just you know like a nice idea and what have you but it's actually a required mechanism if you look at you know like rollups today they're bridges to ethereum most of them are controlled by multi-sigs um, some of them are controlled by governance the thing is that there's a very important trade-off here between you know, is this control, like, is this changeable first? Is the bridge changeable? If it's not, then something needs to control it. And if something controls it, it better be decentralized, right? And so then that, that that's kind of like where you need like governance. But the problem is that governance is fairly not well developed, not super stable, not super reliable, and all of this needs to change. And I think the more, so like the industry develops, the more on-chain governance is going to be like an, a, a bottleneck, a need, and I think the hub can really sort of like set itself set itself apart if it develops a really nice, stable, um, reliable, capable of making very good decisions, um, sort of like governance instance. Um, which, to be fair, synergizes very well with the two other products that it has. Right, uh, like it needs good governance in order to to be able to have a coherent, well-executed strategy for it, the money that it prints as well as um, you know selecting the right consumer chains and and being you know sensible about the way that it goes about being a security provider and so you know if we if you take these three things together 
what I think and like informs um, the decisions that we sh- that we as a community should be making for um, how the hub deploys its funds from the community pool is um, Atom is your leverage as the Cosmos hub, right? It's your leverage. People want Atom because that's the main form of liquidity in the ecosystem currently. And, you know, that demand basically is the hub's negotiation power. And so if it just gives it all across without any strings attached, then it's effectively squandering its uh, kind of like negotiation power, right? So what I think it should be doing instead is, one, take the projects that it benefits the most from supporting and support the hell out of them so that it almost like enforces that they become tremendously successful, right? What that does is that that sort of like tilts the playing field, right? Whereby other projects realize that, ooh, the hub's support is actually super valuable, so we need to get it, right? And since the hub is already in this mentality of like, hey, let's do things that are that make sense, that we benefit from, um, then that creates the incentive to align with the hub and give it something in exchange for its support, right? And so what you've done is you've magnified the leverage that the hub has within the ecosystem so that it can, you know, like support other projects in ways that are meaningful, but also benefit from it directly, which then makes Adam more valuable and, and therefore kind of like creates this sort of like flywheel effect. Yeah, I think I agree. I think there needs to be clear advantages for projects to either think about launching as a consumer chain before they ultimately decide to launch as an app chain or launch as an application first within um, the atom economic zone that we that we see kind of forming here, like may, maybe exploring Neutron. Hey, why don't we launch on Neutron first? We have this close these close ties to the hub, which are demonstrated by X, Y, and Z. And then in a year or two years, if it looks like we've outgrown, you know, just being an app, maybe now we can launch a chain down the road. But I think you're right. I think there needs to be more clear understanding of what's in it for both parties. And, and ICS is still new. And I do see other versions of ICS in other ecosystems. But I still think because of IBC, Cosmos should have a huge advantage over those, those other ecosystems that are trying to do some type of shared security model or whatever you want to call it. Polkadot does it. Um, it's happening on Ethereum. Right with with the roll ups, kind of. So yeah, I don't know. Tank, do you have anything to add into that? Uh, no, I actually kind of have my own question. If if you don't mind, um, go for it. Yep. Kind of pivoting a little bit. I'm known to pivot. Um, but no, I'm so I'm actually a really really big fan uh, of what Neutron's doing. Um, I think the NFT platform that comes out along with what you were talking about earlier is going to be really really exciting. And I think anybody that launches the 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 actual Nuke NFT first and foremost uh, would be you guys would be crazy to miss probably. Oh yeah, that's That's true. Yeah. When that's possible. Um, I do have a general question though, as a consumer chain, uh, you know, and, and, uh, a chain that actually facilitates smart contracts, which, and, you know, anybody can come over there, uh, somewhat and, and, and launch, uh, their DAP. Uh, but as a consumer chain, what would be your ideal neighbor? If you don't mind me asking, like, what would, what would Neutron like to see as another consumer chain being picked up? In the future, well, it's a good question. Very good question. I think it's a really good question indeed. Um, look, not going to lie, the answer is going to be from the top of my head. This is not something that I've like deeply researched. Um, now, so like Stride, for example, I think is a really good pick um, in the sense that one, it completely makes sense for the hub to want the liquid staking providers of its 
network to be secured by its validator set. Like that much makes a lot of sense. And it's also like, a you know, something that easily composes with other chains, like other consumer chains, right? Because like it, you, you, you just need to bring the assets and then you can build applications for them and such. So that's already a really good thing. And you could generalize this, right? I think back in the days, at, at some point, one of the plans was like to try and get all of the liquid staking providers to be secured by Atom, which you know was 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 one idea. Um, I think other VMs like get a you know platforms for like move uh, platform for whatever uh, other scripting language can be interesting as well in the sense that they cater to slightly different like developer communities. And so in the, in that sense you can have um, like non-competitive kind of like cooperation to bring more developers, more DeFi activity and such, and you can compose them via ABC. So that's fairly interesting to me as well. Um, and then I, th I think the sort of like the last category would be sort of like public goods slash infrastructure projects. Like, um, I mean, like Noble kind of like probably falls into this category. Um, other projects might include like, like there was a plan for a chain that would basically try and propose um, an alternative structure for like how relayers operate and get compensated in the ecosystem to try and, and make like relaying a lot smoother and to break away from, you know, foundations having to do um, legal deals with specific relayers in order to get them to relay over something that would be like fully market-led and, and decentralized. Other ideas were like, well, I think for example, like, um, you know, informal is researching Atomic IPC, which would probably be implemented as just that. You could, you know, have a decentralized sequencer as a consumer chain. Like there, there's a bunch of pieces of infrastructure that you could have like this that would make a lot of sense, in my opinion. So, so okay. So you're you're focused more on infrastructure that would enhance other consumer chains that that might be able to stand as a consumer chain. Um. I'm, I'm bullish on both, but it mostly depends on the project, right? So it can be infrastructure Got that supports it. the rest of the um, of the ecosystem, or you know, projects or applications that kind of like compose well with the rest of the of the AZ. Basically, um, I, I think both have a place. Um, yeah. Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Tank. That was a good. That was a good question. Um, any any comment on? <laughs> I have to bring this up. I mean, this just happened yesterday. Any comment on why um, Sunny from Osmosis seems to be uh, just not a big fan of Neutron? I mean, I, I get that you guys are somewhat competitors, but you would think that Osmosis is so far ahead of everyone else, they wouldn't have time to worry about what other chains might be doing. That you know, So I don't know. I thought that was a, a strange series of tweets about who is considered to be a good builder or a good good team and whatnot. Yeah, you would think. I mean I I always felt the same when there were there were like tweets going back and forth between like Kujira and Osmosis. It's like, oh my God, like I mean it's good entertainment obviously, especially during the bear market, but I think now Things are definitely changing, even if this is like one hilarious like bull trap, right? It, things have changed a lot where um, projects and chains and apps have gotten, I would say, like a solid four-month window to add new users because of the enthusiasm and like the, the influx of, of liquidity, right? So 
I think it is possible to grow the pie, but I think there's always going to be competition, not only within an ecosystem, but don't forget, um, Cosmos is going to be, especially if Cosmos as a whole, IBC, you know, shared security, all that. If, it, if they don't get their messaging right to, to the, the common user, or even just like the analysts that are on Twitter who don't have time to deep dive everything in Cosmos, they might compare Cosmos incorrectly to some of these ETH layer twos that are building and divert attention away from what we have building over here. So I, I think that it's okay to have some back and forth in the ecosystem, but in the end, I, think, I definitely think it's possible to, to grow the pie for everyone. It's just that the different chains, different apps are going to acquire users at different rates, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, Tank, jump in. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, unless, unless you want to add on to that, I, I'm going to pivot again and just ask one of my random questions. Yeah. No, yeah, okay. we, we, we have time probably for like one or two more questions. And then I, I want to, well, maybe like two or three more questions. And I want to stick to the schedule and bring in Jackal. Um, yeah. Yeah. In like yeah. The yeah. next like four or five minutes, if that's cool. I, I, I'm planning on asking every one of our guests this, by the way. Um, cool. I would love to hear Spay, uh, say, let's set up the table. Let's set up the example. You're at uh, you're at the holidays. You're at the Thanksgiving uh, dinner table. You're talking to your aunt or a relative that you haven't seen in quite a long time. They're interested in knowing what you do. What's your elevator pitch on what you do? How do you present what you're building and or the Web three space to somebody that doesn't know anything? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I'd say something like, I'm building a computer that anyone can access anywhere in the world as long as they have internet and that Google doesn't control and that nobody can stop kind of would be sort of like the very, very high level pitch. I'm guessing that you've had this conversation before. <laughs> yeah, that's what it sounds like. Um, no, not really, actually. I mean, like, you know, just a fun fact, like the first time I kind of like told my mom about what I was doing and stuff. And she was like, oh, really? But, you know, I've seen um, I've seen these documentaries and there's a lot of scam, isn't this? Isn't it? And I was like, well, all right, fair point, I guess. Did your mom think you're a con artist? <laughs> <laughs> no, she, she trusted me, you know, so so she was like, I know that like I know you wouldn't get in it if there, there, there wasn't anything interesting about it. But like, yeah, you have to explain to me because for now I don't get it. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I guess then I, I kind of had this conversation, but it, it wasn't like, you know, the five minute pitch. It was more so like, you know, two hours of like why this actually matters. Um, but yeah, it, it was a good one. I've, I've actually got a question about the, uh, about the neutron token that I forgot to ask earlier on. Um, having a token for a consumer chain is a little bit tricky because it is possible to launch without a token. And you, you told me on the YouTube video that we made a couple weeks ago that you can navigate neutron without even touching that token. If you're in a jurisdiction that doesn't allow it, or you just don't want to, is there, I'm assuming that the token is still used for, um, voting right like traditional you know governance is done almost like a DAO token but is there an economy around this token right now is there plans to build out some more either apps or functions that rely on the neutron token or is there a plan eventually to phase it out and rely on atom or stable coins to do what a what a token normally would would, would do mm -hmm. Well, so for, first on this last point, I, I don't think these are necessarily exclusive things, right? You can 
have a token and use that as a tool to grow the ecosystem to align the incentives of the party that participate to this platform's economy um, and also allow other tokens to be used for some of these functions, right? Like if you look at Neutron today, if you have Rubstake ETH, if you have USDC, if you have TIA, if you have Atom, you can use all of these tokens as gas on the network, right? Um, and that's done for from the perspective of like, hey, making sure that you know when you're bridging in, you're able to use whatever tokens you brought in in order to pay for gas fees, um, as well as you know just providing generally a better like user experience. Um, so that's kind of like a, just a comment on this part. Now, in terms of like, is there an economy built around the interior token? Um, yeah, I would say so. Um, so basically, there's this kind of like flow within the the ecosystem. So I'll, I'll just describe um, the information you can find like in in our documentation um, and in our blog posts. I think, but but basically, that's perfect. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely share those by the way because I'm always interested in how the tokens fit into the, the grand scheme of things. But yeah, I'll, I'll let you go ahead without interrupting again. Yeah, for sure. Um, and no, feel, feel free to interrupt me, um, especially since I tend to go on these long runs. Um, but yeah, so, so basically Neutron is kind of like a, a, a fixed supply token. Um, the new supply, so basically at Genesis, there was a bunch that was uh, distributed to the community via various like mechanisms. Um, some of it went to the Cosmos Hub as well, extra, extra. Um, but then a good chunk was like, actually the vast majority of tokens was allocated to the DAO in so like two pools, right? There's one that's the treasury, which is kind of like what the DAO controls today, right? What it can spend and the kind of like the community pool of Neutron essentially. Um, and that, that's a pretty meaningful chunk, but there's also kind of like the second part that we call the reserve. And this one is kind of like, it's a bit of an experiment, but I, I find it very interesting. It hasn't been particularly used yet, but there's a bunch of modules that have been designed that sort of like rely on it. And so it might, like as Neutron mature, all of these things might be implemented and I'm looking forward to this. But basically the idea is that based on the network's activity, like how many transactions there are, how much MEV is recaptured and such, um, the that reserve adjusts how much NTRN it releases into circulation. But rather than just putting it into the community pool, what it does is it goes through a splitter first. And that splitter has the ability to say like, hey, let's take like 10% and send it here. Let's take 5% and send it here, extra, extra, right? And you can be like very, very granular with this. And so what that allows us to do is um, we can add any module or design that we want onto the Neutron DAO to do so like in perpetuity or, you know, like long-term types of distributions, right? So for example, in the, I hope, near midterm future, when the network becomes even more decentralized, maybe one day we'll be able to like just dissolve the foundation and have the network basically handle everything, right? At that point, what we could do is like have a splitter that distributes these NTRN tokens to the various teams that contributed the development of the network and the weights between them would be decided by governance or by you know whatever mechanism that we would have implemented at that time to basically like take care of like supporting kind of like entities that contribute to growing the network you can use this for other types of endeavors like for example like liquidity mining right um, so instead of having this kind of like you know network inflation that goes into pools and we set weights via governance proposals and such you can have kind of like a ve tokenomic gauge system whereby people with NTRN tokens vote on which pools should receive um, incentives and then you know that sets weights and then every like every so often some 
tokens are released from the reserves. They're split according to these weights and distributed to all of these liquidity pools so that we can maintain the, you know, the, the spot liquidity that the ecosystem's DeFi um, relies on. And the beauty of this is that you can even create like flywheel around this because like Neutron, one, one of the things that I find very interesting about the Neutron DAO as opposed to just using regular X gov modules in cosmos um, is it gives us a lot of flexibility so for example we designed this module called the voting registry and it allows us to derive voting power from a whole range of different positions right so it, it's not just like you don't need to stake in trn you can deposit it into a vault to add voting power but you can also just like provide liquidity for like ntrn atom or ntrn uh, usdc for example and stake that into a vault instead and get voting power or you could you know in the future you could deposit ntrn or usdc even or even nfts somewhere and then get voting power for that right and so that allows the dao itself to basically um customize how it distributes the power to influence the network's trajectory basically um, over time. And it also allows you to have a governance system whereby you don't have the opportunity cost of traditional like voting system because like when you're staking, obviously you can't do anything else, right? Um, but Yes, that is true. That, that's exactly what I was just thinking, um, that you have a little bit of an advantage in governance because people don't have to choose between one action or another. So that, that, that that's really good that you brought this part up. Yeah, definitely. And, at, you know, like, I think it's very sort of like early days for now. Like there's not that many vaults and it's not like super like well-developed, but I expect that this will change over time and become a lot more convenient so that whatever you're doing, basically, as you're contributing to the health of the DeFi ecosystem, you're also getting a say over the platform's sort of like direction um so yeah anyway that's kind of like the input of new tokens into the market and then what you know the market does its thing people like go in and out of various opportunities they trade with each other what have you and all of these things generate like transactions right um note that it's both users but also small contracts generating these transactions because they need to interact with like other chains and such and so that kind of like participates in the economy all of this creates like two types of kind of like revenue which is like transaction fees um, the fairly traditional ones, and then uh, MEV, right? Both of these are recaptured. They're brought to a Cosmos SDK module called the distribution module, which does a few things. First, it takes 25% of all the fees it collected, regardless of the de denomination, like some NTRN, some TS, some USDC, some what have you, um, and it sends that to the Cosmos hub. This is kind of like the first version of it. I expect that this will be reworked eventually because I think the Cosmos, like, I personally think that it probably makes more sense to um, either consolidate all of these denominations and or um, send them to the community pool of the Cosmos Hub rather than each specific delegator account because like that spreads it very, very thin given the differential in market caps and such and the, the, the transaction fee volume at this stage of the project. Um, and sending it to the community pool would allow the Cosmos Hub as a community to basically decide you know, where to allocate these things in a, in a productive way and it would make the leverage of the Cosmos Hub stronger um, and allow it to make pairs with itself, which is pretty cool. Um, and so, yeah, anyway, it takes 25%, sends it to the Cosmos Hub, and then everything that remains, it takes all of the non-NTRN tokens, sends them to the Neutron DAO treasury, and then all of the NTRN itself is burnt. 
right? So you have kind of like an injection of supply and then a removal of supply at the end of the circuit, which is, you know, designed to help kind of like maintain some kind of an equilibrium while enabling the new money that is injected into the system to be um, to be injected in ways that make sense, right? So that, that's why I was speaking about like, you know, potential like liquidity mining designs and such, because the idea is that like this new supply should help create value in the economy and then it's removed from the economy and such, which is kind of like similar to how money worked like a long, long time ago where, you know, you would print money to build a road and then you would use taxes, you would get the money back and then you would destroy it, right? And then that's how you sort of like maintain the money supply um, while also ensuring that, you know, stuff move for society. That was a great explanation. I really appreciate that because one of the things that's very, it's like so intriguing for the end user and also frustrating is to see all these tokens and you go down CoinGecko, you're like, what the hell do all these tokens do? A lot of them don't do much. Your your token is intertwined into a lot of the activity on the chain. That's really cool to hear because I never myself, you know, did, did a deep dive on it. I only really looked at the app so far. I did a video on Nolis, which is coming to Neutron. I did a video on Astroport, which I think is a cool deck. I really like Astroport. But I really, I really appreciate all your explanations, man. I wanna, I wanna stick to the time and give uh, Patrick his time. But we'll definitely catch up again soon, either on YouTube or, um, or Twitter Spaces, because it sounds like there, there is a lot of potential for growth. You know, just in the coming months, even not even I was going to say year, but not even year. So really appreciate your time and all these detailed explanations. Yeah, for sure. Anytime. Um, and yeah, have fun. Thanks, man. Thanks. And Patrick, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Ever since um, the Jackal account got SIM swapped, everything's been great for the market. I think that was the um, the catalyst that we needed. So we, re we really appreciate oh, yeah, that. Perfect. Yeah, that's uh, happy I could help, Joe. Happy I could help. How's things going down in this? It was either that. It was either that or the Celestia airdrop. It's one of the uh, other. I don't know, man. I think it's the Jackal sim swap. It's uh, that, that's kind of up there in the top three Jackal moments of all time, probably. But uh, how are things going for you guys? You know, the shade, uh, the shade one got got sim swapped yeah. also, and their token went from like three to six bucks. So I think if um, if the hub, whatever the main hub Twitter account, if that can get sim swap, this is going to be up only for twenty twenty. Yeah, man, it's a uh, it's, it's pretty uh, it's a pretty wild series of events. I guess it means that you're relevant enough to get sim swap, maybe. But uh, at the end of the day, that's exactly it's, right. Uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, uh, happy that we uh, we had that in the bear market because um, could have been a lot more nasty um, in a few months or a few years, right? So happy we straight up our cybersecurity posture, all that good stuff. Um, end of the day, um, you guys are going to get in like a winter storm down in the States, aren't you? That's uh, you guys get a little taste of Canada for the next few days. Yeah, I think tank tank got snow and where he lives, they, they usually just get like a dusting of snow over here. They're so bad at predicting the weather where I live that I usually don't even pay attention to it, but it sounds like we might get snow tomorrow or Friday. And I, I live in New York, but I'm very close to the, to the ocean. So our temperature gets kind of modulated a little bit, but if you drive about an hour north of where I'm at, they usually get tons of snow when normally we get nothing. So, yeah, we, we've, we've, we've got an inch you. over here, Patrick, and it's snow apocalypse for for Tennessee. They're freaking out. They're 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 raiding Costco and and and, and just 
yeah, they're going nuts over here, but it's <laughs> fun time. <laughs> that's, uh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, anyways, what do you guys want to talk about? There's like a ton of stuff going on with Jocko right now from the roadmap to just overall developments to um, all kinds of stuff. What do, what do you guys want to start with? I mean, we could, we could, there's a lot of places to start because you guys are like a real project. So, um, I mean, it's, it, it's crazy. You guys, you guys started off as just an, you were going to be an app on secret, right? And then what, for whatever reason, you guys decided to launch as your own chain, right? The JKL token is the layer one token. Obviously that looks like a great move in hindsight. Um, you could, you could start wherever you want. You could even like pretend that no one here has even heard of Jackal do like a one minute elevator pitch and then you know I, I i have questions but really this is more just to get the information out there for people that either don't know what jackal is or can't even don't even realize how well the you know the adoption has been happening in such a short amount of time so yeah, well, you do, do an elevator pitch and then a brief like two or three things on the roadmap that you want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, sure. So kind of elevator pitch for jackal so if you look at web3 in general across the board there's kind of there's still these centralized choke points of failure, whether it's for applications or whether it's for L1s or whether it's for users in general. And the, the one that we noticed uh, quite a few times when we were trying to build other applications back in 2021 was the storage layer. And there's all kinds of storage projects in Web3, but there was no one really tackling the hot storage layer. And what that means is uh, kind of having the ability to have quick access to data at a given moment in time. And currently a lot of stuff on the market, it was kind of more for archiving or cold storage, put things away for a long time. Awesome use case and really important, but it doesn't really uh, serve the, the use of building full stack app web applications on blockchain rails completely. Um, so there's what we wanted to do is we wanted to focus on the infrastructure layer. So we focused on the storage side of things. Um, some people are focusing on a compute when you look at a cache, for example. But what we do is we provide a way for Anyone with a simple smart contract call to store large files on a decentralized physical infrastructure network. So um, kind of if you want to distill it down to something really small, it's kind of like just Dropbox for an end user on Web3. But if you kind of want to look for applications or blockchains as a whole, it acts as a storage layer, which is a really important piece of the stack. So you don't kind of have to force yourself to centralize choke points of failure, whether that's AWS servers or Azure servers or Alibaba cloud servers, depending on where you are in the world. So that's kind of what we focus on is uh, that storage. And we built a Cosmos application specific blockchain for that one use case. And it's purpose built to do storage really, really well. So you store things for a little bit, you can store things forever. Um, you have what we like, what we truly believe is the highest digital privacy and cybersecurity posture on the market because it's only public and private keys. There's no emails, usernames, anything like that so that you can uh, have really, really secure data storage on blockchain rails and have it fast, have uh, programmable privacy. It's uh, kind of like a Swiss opening knife of, uh, of storage tooling for all kinds of people. So if you kind of... So, well, I just have a yeah. question. Previously, you said that you know, it's not just for end users. It's not just like an end user Dropbox type product. Applications can take advantage of this. I would imagine a lot of applications probably have tons of data to store, you know, even just like an NFT project would have lots of data to store. Where are they storing it right now? Is it just with like traditional cloud 
you know, providers? Usually, usually. Um, sometimes people lean on the validators to kind of do the, some storage things. Um, if it's like chain state, for example, but at the end of the day, then they kind of have to store it somewhere, which is usually a, a data center, whether it's a big data center or whether it's kind of like an OVH cloud or something along those lines. So it, it really depends. Everyone kind of has different needs, right? So if you're an NFT marketplace, for example, you have all these JPEGs that you have to have available for end users when they hit your website to go and see all the things available for sale, for example. Usually that's kind of like a, uh, it's an Azure some, uh, server sitting somewhere. And then sometimes it's pinned to IPFS, but that doesn't kind of, it doesn't really fix the underlying issue where it's this one centralized choke point of failure. So if someone forgets to renew the visa or if someone, um, uh, gets hurt or, or dies, God forbid, uh, then your JPEG uh, might be gone. So that's kind of like an NFT use case, right? Um, but there's there's all kinds of use cases for it. But uh, at the end of the day, currently in Web3, most people get away with saying we pin to IPFS. But that usually just means that uh, you store it on a centralized server and then you make it discoverable to IPFS, which um, IPFS doesn't really store anything. It's just a discovery layer at the end of the day. But uh, it makes it's cool technology though. We use uh, a lot of stuff like that too for us. But yeah, that, that's kind of the, the current state of, of the uh, the ecosystem in general um, across the board, whether it's Cosmos, whether it's out of Got Cosmos. It. And I know Scott down there has done some demos about how to use the application, how simple and fast it is. So let, let, let me oversimplify Jacko a little bit to ask a question. Um, so you, you build a, a decentralized network where you could offer the storage products you have a certain capacity for storage and now the goal obviously is to is to kind of make that valuable right and you want people to pay for for storage how do you begin the process of convincing either individuals or builders that this is going to be a better option in the long run or cheaper than what's traditionally used whether it's ipfs or whatever um how do you fill up that capacity, I guess, and make it almost like a commodity? For sure, for sure. Like, it, we, we don't try to convince anyone anything at the end of the day. What we try to do is try to figure out what the current needs of their business are and then try to figure out if Jacko's a good solution for them. And often it is, right? So if, if people are kind of, if you're a telecom company in the United States and you have to do like large-scale data backups, for example, they might not care about the decentralization of Jacko, but they do care about the security posture, privacy posture, and price. Right. So those are things that they value. So it, it kind of, it's a sliding scale at the end of the day. If you're an NFT marketplace, for example, you want to be guaranteed that no matter what happens, your community's NFTs aren't going to disappear on that. Um, because you, you own the token on chain, which is, uh, has metadata and it points to a file that's stored somewhere. Right. So for them, they might not care about the price point or the, uh, or the security and privacy posture, but they want something to be stored in perpetuity to make sure it's always available no matter what happens. So it's uh, when I kind of say Jock was a Swiss army knife for storage and kind of large reason why we built it on the Cosmos stack, is the ability to alter the blockchain modules at its core, the ability to kind of fill a lot of gaps in the market. At the end of the day, uh, it's really about what their current needs are. But when you, uh, I kind of want to go back to something you said previously, you, you said, um, Kind of, you said users can use it, but you need to commoditize data storage in general because data storage is, if we're going to be honest, it's kind of a commodity, right? And it's a race to the bottom on price on a lot of things. It, it's basically real estate, yeah. right? It's like digital real yeah. estate in it's some like, regards. And that's, that's, one, that's one reason why people kind of, on Bitcoin, 
dove into the inscriptions because they a lot of people considered ordinal inscriptions to be like a real estate type. One hundred percent. Like, uh, yeah. So, all right, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it, it should be seen as a commodity if it's if it's useful. There's a limited supply. Everybody pretty much needs it. Yeah, and, and our, our focus on that, since it's a limited kind of uh, supply thing and it's commoditized like that, our focus is on really large data sets, right? So a majority of our users are B2B users. Obviously, we have um, kind of privacy advocates and, and blockchain power users that use it like a Dropbox. But uh, our, our thing is, is the Jocko Protocol's economics is set up that the Jocko Protocol gains value and, and kind of gets value capture from storing unique amount of data. Right. And uh, me and you, like we have a lot of memes, I'm sure we can store, but at the end of the day, we need to move data on petabyte scale. So our focus is primarily B2B in Web3. Okay. And it sounds like it's not as simple as just, hey, we have all this capacity for storage. Let's go sell it. You have some nuance there where you could look at what the different businesses actually, actually need. And you guys can offer some type of like, I guess I would call it like white glove service or different package options, whatever, however you want to phrase it. What, what are some of the, like, can you give an example of like a, could be a hypothetical or, or a real example of what someone's looking for that you guys offer yeah. that maybe a, another storage provider can't. Yeah. Um, well, kind of what someone's looking for, it, it really depends on, on a few things, right? So we're, we're really, at the end of the day, we're, we're selling a solution to the problem. We have to identify what the problem is. So for every different user, the problem is going to be different. But when you look at, um, for example, if uh, we're talking about a telecom company in the United States, for example, they, uh, they don't care about the decentralization. So either we can do it or someone else can spin up an API and provide them all the benefits of the Jocko protocol um, without the decentralization factor. So they can win on price and they can win on security privacy posture um, or geo redundancy or things like that. Um, but it, it really kind of depends on the, on what the end user cares at the end of the day. Right. Um, so if you kind of, if you're a web three product in a business in web three, you don't really need a centralized middleman. All you need to do is make a simple contract call to the Jocko protocol and you get storage pretty simply. And that's kind of the beautiful thing. And when you, um, for, for kind of the businesses that are in web three already, and they don't kind of need any centralized middleman. They don't need any uh, kind of players that are going to um, tack on additional pricing. They just get the, um, I want to say, the, the the perfect kind of clean access to the Jocko protocol without kind of any points of failure, which is beautiful in its own right. And uh, part of that is the reason why in our roadmap, we're really focused on outposts. Um, the, the cool thing about Jackal is we don't really try to compete for builders. We want to provide a solution to applications. And if we do our job perfectly, the end user doesn't know we're there, <laughs> right? Uh, you, you don't really want your storage layer to kind of... Uh, when we're using Twitter, I, I'm sure no one's really thinking about the AWS servers in the background that are storing all our tweets, right? So um, kind of the focus is, is we were looking a bit... I think about it. I think about <laughs> it all the damn time. <laughs> Everyone other than Tank doesn't think about it. So that's uh, that's kind of where we are right now. But at the end of the day, it, it's kind of um, building outposts, right? Um, we want anyone on any blockchain to be able to access Jackal with a simple contract call. And uh, this is kind of why IBC wins, Right. Um, if you look at kind of monolithic L1s, um, specifically in storage, for example, if you want to use that storage layer, you have to build on top of it. Um, Jackal, like unless you're building like a storage purpose app, 
kind of making Jocko tooling better, for example, it's probably not best to build directly on the Jocko protocol and build on Neutron or Juno or Archway or um, Secret Network or any of those places and then get access to our storage layer with a simple smart contract call. And this is kind of uh, where we think that the modulus thesis wins and IBC wins is we can provide services everywhere. Um, and we can use Axler GMP to provide on Arbitrum or um, use Landslide to provide it on Avalanche, for example. So um, we're just looking to be the storage layer of Web3 and kind of eat as many terabytes as possible is, is really our end game. Tank, do you remember when I told you the story how I had a meeting with uh, with Greg from Akash? Like it was like it was like nine months ago, and he explained to me how Akash worked, and I didn't understand it because it was like such a simple, cut and dry business model that I wasn't used to seeing in Web three. When, when yeah, I you're trying it, to overcomplicate it. <laughs> I, no, I, I, I'm like, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. You have a product and you're selling it. Like, I don't understand. And then. I ended up I ended up not even buying the tokens, and I was like, "What an idiot!" Because obviously, Akash has done really well, at least for, like token price wise, right? And more people understand it now, so it's it's only going to do better. Uh, I'm mentioning Akash because Patrick mentioned them earlier that they kind of are in the same sector of of crypto. I don't know if you want to call it DPIN or infrastructure, but when when I heard about how Jackal worked, I was like, "I'm not going to make the same mistake twice." So I'm like, "Okay, they have a business and." eventually this is going to be good for the token. So like as a spec speculator, I just, I bought a bunch of the token. Right. And I was curious to if you, if you, um, you also have Jackal, when did you buy and, um, what, what ultimately made you buy the token? Uh, basically the same thing I bought. Yeah. I bought Jackal. I remember talking to Patrick and, and then the guys, I forget who actually showed me. No, who, when was it? I think it was on a space. It was on a space. Me and you did a chat. Um, I don't know if this is when you bought, but uh, I was at a wedding and there was chickens in the background. Uh, if you remember that uh, across the street. Yeah, I, do <laughs> I do remember that. Uh, but no, to answer your question, not to go down uh, memory lane, uh, I did buy Jackal quite a bit ago. Um, I bought it. I bought it, uh, you know, when, when it first launched, I, you know, when it was going through its phases, when it was going through its migrations and stuff like that. You know, I've been I've been uh, following them since basically the first time I heard. I forget where it was. I remember I was sitting in my kids' uh, pickup lane in the car when they were still in school, so it was a while ago. And then I followed them. I picked up some more. I've just always liked it. You know, like to be very transparent with everybody. Uh, you know, uh, IBC Gangs or my channel is sponsored uh, in a very small amount uh, from Jackal. Uh, we put up the majority of it. For staking, I'm not going to go through all of that. Uh, just you know, because I've always believed that they have a great product. Uh, I always thought that they've had product market fit. If you want to like, latch onto those nifty um, catchphrases, uh, but yeah, like I've been with them for a long, long time, and I've been very much invested into them, uh, like a lot of us, uh, for a very long time. So it's been super great to see the recent uh, latch onto and the and the, the adoption and the the focus onto things like Jackal and and, and Akash. Um, yeah, it's, it's been great, man. Yeah, I, I think um, DPIN or Decentralized Physical Infrastructure Networks are in their early days right now and they're starting to get, um, they're starting to kind of gain their stride. You'll notice that there's, um, the cash is doing very well in their area of compute. They, they're a pretty big player in that space. We're doing pretty well in the area of storage. Um, there's other people doing awesome stuff with this technology though. Um, it's... Can, can, can I yeah. ask you, uh, while you're talking about that, because like a cash, like you can, you can actually as, as a consumer or as a regular person, you can actually provide, right? Like, you know, I do, I do Zephyr mining on Cloudmos 
it, it's really cool. And like, you know, I, I'm always picking and choosing between these providers that are out there uh, throughout the world providing their service, whether it's CPUs or GPUs. Uh, Jackal, you can also provide storage. Now, uh, how, how hard is that for the average person to do? And like, do you mind walking us through yeah, that? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. Um, you're you're going to want to be a little bit more technical to be a stored provider, um, just because of the 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 kind of scale of what we're building here is you're, you're going to need some technical knowledge of kind of running these servers and uh, kind of building these servers for yourself or acquiring these servers from a data center. Um, but once you kind of get up and running, the the beautiful thing about Jackal in its own right is we have an awesome storage provider community where you hop in the Discord, you have any questions, and probably like four or five people will answer them pretty quickly, which is wonderful. And uh, kind of that community is really great. And kind of we have, we have a, a, for a startup of this stage, we have a lot of, of storage available, which is wonderful at the end of the day. But essentially, what you have to do is you have to kind of acquire your, your machine. Um, if you go to the storage provider channel, there's all kinds of, of different builds and they would kind of walk you through the different ways that you can build the machine purpose built for the Jackal protocol if you want to do that. And the other thing associated with that is the, the, the magic moment at the end of the day of being a storage provider is kind of renting. The, the moment you rent your server and then you get paid in Jackal tokens, that's really the magic moment. And on the flip side, for the users, it's kind of like a multi-sided marketplace at the end of the day, right? For the storage providers, you provide storage, you get paid, and that's really special. And then that's when we know it got you. <laughs> on the user side of things, the, mo- the magic moment for them is when they create, they either go their business and they kind of integrate using the JavaScript libraries, the APIs, and they kind of store their files. And they realize that they're the only person in the entire world that has access to those files which is uh, kind of something that we've never seen before in a public cloud environment where uh, only the end user with their private key can access those files. So for businesses, it's when you integrate with the JavaScript libraries for users. It's when you hit the Jackal dashboard, you upload your file and you know that, wow, I am the only person in the entire world that has access to this file in a public cloud environment, which is uh, a lot of people don't think about it, but it's, it, it's a really, really interesting feeling. It uh, makes you feel self-sovereign, makes you feel like you have ownership. Um, it makes you feel that you just have like this wonderful privacy and security posture in general. It, it's uh, it's an interesting feeling. Tank, one of the first one of the first spaces we were ever on together, we were talking about private medical data and how blockchain, possibly NFTs, could could fill the need for keeping that data private. When you go to the doctor now, I mean, people probably take it for granted, especially younger people, but nobody is supposed to know any of your medical information except for you and the doctor, right? When you go to the doctor, you sign all these papers. Oh, if something happens, can I leave a message on your wife's voicemail about your medical, you know, your medical data? And whenever I sign those papers, I'm always like, well, who gives a shit? Because the insurance company can see my medical information. Yeah, I was going to say, you know how many people see yeah, your information? Like, <laughs> like like a minimum wage worker at the, at the at the insurance company can pull up my data anytime they want. They can... They could do whatever they want with it. They could probably change it in the computer if they wanted to, or they could sell it or whatever. So I'm curious, what are the, you know, you're dealing with a lot of businesses. You're probably pitching all the time. Is there, do you have like a niche where like, okay, it's usually this type of customer tends to go for our product with very little, uh, let's say salesmanship, or is it, is it across sectors, whether it be, you know, 
um, tech companies, medical, whatever. Who, who are your who are your businesses that you like to? I guess. Pitch yeah. Back? So so right now, since we have infinite white space and kind of uh, different beaches, we can approach. We um, we try to find areas where we're not really just vitamins; we're more pain pills. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I we really want to kind of double down and focus on that until we kind of capture those markets. So for that right now, it's Web three because we don't have to cross this crazy knowledge gap, right? So if uh, when we do happen to pitch a telecom company or a, um, a a big organization that has a lot of CCTV camera footage, for example. Um, we don't really talk a lot about the blockchain features because they don't care about it, <laughs> right? It's uh, we're just overcomplicating it and we're making it more difficult for them to kind of understand what we're providing to them, and it also kind of makes it seem like they're inheriting more perceived risk, even though it doesn't exist, right? Uh, they hear blockchain, they think SBF, and uh, <laughs> and that's not really a great thing if you're just trying to like provide them a higher security and privacy posture. It doesn't make them feel very secure at the end of the day. Um, so. Right now, our biggest focus is like Web3 B2B. But uh, for the deals that we have have kind of closed on um, in the States, primarily for them, um, it's a lot of the time right now, it's backups where we can kind of compete on price and we can compete on security posture where we use words like we try to avoid blockchain, but we'll use words like a distributed ledger technology. Things along those lines, and uh, usually that that uh, if we get through a whole pitch without saying blockchain, we just focus on the uh, the needs of the client and the solutions that they want. Um, that's kind of where we focus on because we don't have to overcomplicate things if we don't have to. Um, but use cases for us right now, the Jocker protocol has an for certain things like medical, for example. If you just purely look at the technology, Jackal is a solution for the medical industry that is just second to none. The issue right now is um, kind of red tape associated with um, certain compliance where you need all the data to be stored within the United States, for example, and it can't leave. So this is until we kind of get the technology to a place where we can create these subnets or kind of have these uh, little kind of pockets of storage providers where a user can go in and approve different storage providers. So, for example, I need ones that are HIPAA compliant within the borders of New York, and uh, they need a certain amount of uptime, for example. A user is going to have to be able to do that for us to hit specific industries. But a lot of industries, they don't need that. Um, specifically, if you're just storing things not really associated with people, um, or especially medical stuff, like the HIPAA compliance is pretty crazy. Um, so right now, like the big focus for us is um, kind of away from the the people stuff that has a lot of red tape and focus more on things along the lines where uh, it doesn't really matter where the data is stored as long as it's secure. For example, mining data. Um, mining data, it, it's it can be stored anywhere. They just don't want to lose it because they spent a few million dollars on kind of collecting all this information about a specific geographical region. So um, things like that, where we're kind of focused on really, really large data sets or things that are already in the public domain. Um, you can think about uh, people that are kind of scraping the internet for AI training data sets, for example. Um, you can think about uh, other things that we're working on right now. A little bit of alpha is kind of providing storage accounts for AI agents that are kind of running on blockchain rails as well. The AI space is really interesting. Just the value of data sets has gone up. Um, data marketplaces are starting to become a bigger thing and um, stuff like that we're really focused on. There's a, that's, the, that's the beauty of Jacko right now is there's so many different ways that we can approach and so many different markets that we can 
um, sink our hours into. We just have to be really, really conscious and, and specific when we um, want to focus on on properly using our human capital in general and making sure that we're getting the highest return on investment of uh, just dev hours and sales hours, basically. I love how much you sound like a businessman. I love, and you know, our friends at uh, the podcast on there, and like Joe was saying, and you know, I've said this to you guys so many times before, uh, you know, it, it's very rare to see teams, and this is just my humble opinion, but it's very rare to see teams, especially in the Cosmos ecosystem, I'll just say it, uh, take themselves and their product very seriously. I'm looking at a tweet that you guys put out not too long ago about your guys' 2024 roadmap, and you literally have every quarter basically lined out uh, or planned out somewhat uh, as far as what you guys want to do, what you guys want to accomplish during those quarters. Uh, it's very, very refreshing, man. I just got to say thank you for you and your team's hard work thus far in this space and and doing what you guys are doing and treating not only the people who are investing, buying the token, uh, but the people who are choosing to use your guys' product. Thank you guys for actually taking the time and taking it seriously and, and really treating yourselves as a business uh, going through this space. It's it's very refreshing, man. Like I'm looking at your guys' quarter one, quarter two, quarter three, quarter four. And, you know, the first thing that pops up is, you know, the overhauls, the referral programs that's in Q3. That you guys have these outposts have me really, really bullish on um, like many different levels. But like, man, I, I just, Joe, have you been seeing these tweets that they've been putting out? No, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that uh, maybe Patrick can take us through a couple of the highlights as, as you, um, maybe like one, maybe one aspect per, per quarter that people can kind of get a little information on. But, and feel free to share that tweet. Um, Either above or, or down yeah, down. for sure. Um, so, kind of, we, we wanted to go quarter by quarter and be really specific with our roadmap. Um, it kind of holds us accountable too, right? Um, at the end of the day. So, for Q1, really, what we the the two things that really are important are obviously ledger support is a, is a pretty big one where we're having a chain upgrade, hopefully very soon, where um, we're the first people to have programmable privacy and data permissions on chain for a storage layer. So we ran into issues with Ledger that was like deep into the code base and we finally found it, which is wonderful. So we're going to be doing that so people with Ledgers can use storage. Previously, you could do anything you wanted with the tokens, but to use storage with the Ledger, um, it was giving you errors, which is wonderful. So that's fixed. Um, Outpost, obviously, that's kind of in early development. Radiant is interesting. Um, so what Radiant is, it's a way for you to publish things forever on the Jacko protocol publicly. So you can think about you want to publish a YouTube video or just a video in general. You can do that. You want to publish NFTs, uh, announcements, things along those lines and have it publicly obtainable. That's, um, that's what Radiant does. It's kind of like uh, it, it gives, it adds to the Jacko Swiss Army knife, kind of the functionality of an AR weave, but kind of with a... Uh, higher speeds, really. Um, it, we're a little bit more expensive. So if you're storing for less than 50 years, um, Jacko would be cheaper. But if it's over 50 years, AR would, would be the way to go for people that are looking to do stuff like that. Um, Arbitrum pool. We're going to be launching a pool on Arbitrum, um, which kind of sets up... We're doing a little bit of liquidity planning in general. So kind of focusing on Arbitrum is a nice next step for us to have a little bit more stability, access a new market, and also kind of have arm stability if we want to um, uplist to a centralized exchange within this year. Um, little alpha, if, if that happens, it happens. If not, we're just ready for it at any moment. Um, 
Shepard as well. So Shepard is just kind of like a, a way to access files on Jackal protocol through a web um, gateway. So you can put in your jackal.link slash your um, RNS name or wallet address and then slash file. And then it will show you a, a file on the Jackal protocol, assuming that it's not encrypted. Um, so those are kind of the, the cool stuff for Q1. Q2 V4 update and economics kind of takes a cake on that. So um, economics V2, we're moving more towards a real yield model and away from um, kind of an inflationary model, which is great. And I think it's kind of a right step in the right direction to make sure that we have a more sustainable um, just economics for the protocol across the board. V4 upgrade. Um, we'd be sitting here for about like three hours if I was going to go deep into that. The V4 upgrade is pretty much everything that we've really wanted is, is probably it's by far the largest upgrade on the jackal protocol um, since launch and hopefully the largest one that we'll ever have to do hopefully everything after the v4 would be minor tweaks and kind of making the uh, ux a little bit better but uh, v4 has like tons of stuff where you don't you sign before you upload a file so that you don't have to sit there and wait um all kinds of store provider improvements um different we're getting pretty technical here, but the universal file IDs, stuff like that. And uh, Outpost MVP is another thing in Q2. So we're hoping to uh, launch our Outpost on another L1 blockchain. So anyone that's building an app or a user on that chain can just have access to scalable data storage with a simple smart contract call, um, which is something that you've never really, um, we don't really have right now in Web3. And uh, we think that's a, that's a pretty big one. Uh, moving to Q3. Uh, referral pro- program is probably the the coolest thing in general for for Q3, where anyone with an RNS name can get a twenty or twenty five percent kickback. I got to go refer to the economics again um, for referring a friend or a business. If you own a business, you can kind of uh, do that or side hustle, um, getting unique terabytes onto the Jacker protocol and be properly rewarded for that. We think that's pretty important. So uh, that's kind of a big one. Other thing about kind of Q3, uh, we're working on something called Jackal Data Agents. And uh, this is something that's pretty fascinating in its own right. Right now, smart contracts have no way to kind of read and write to off-chain files. So this is something that we've heard a lot of people ask for. Uh, We've been in conversations with guys like Dimension, for example. We've been in conversations with all kinds of people about having the ability for smart contracts to have storage accounts and also read and write to those storage accounts. So that's kind of the the last Q3 and Q4. That's the really big focus. And obviously, there's wiggle room in the event that nothing kind of gets completed in the Q1 or Q2 timeline. We can slot it into Q3 or Q4. So that's kind of where we are right now. You guys have a lot going on. Um, the, The Arbitrum liquidity is interesting, actually. I know a lot of people get hyped up over centralized exchange listings as well, but do you, when you guys are changing the, the, the tokenomics model or thinking about it, will you direct some of that liquidity to liquidity pool? How, how do you bootstrap that on another network? Yeah. Um, luckily, like we're, we're, we're extremely diligent with our, with our capital at Jackal Lab, so we'll probably be providing the, the liquidity ourselves out of the gate, um, which is probably the best thing to do to make sure that we can kind of bootstrap the liquidity over there. And uh, as that pool continues to grow, then we'll take our, our, our monies back and uh, kind of let the community take it from there. But that's kind of the, the focus for us. That's uh, what we did on Osmosis, and it worked for us pretty well. The uh, And... 
inflationary LP rewards, we need to be careful with that because that burned us pretty hard in the early days on the Jocko protocol. And uh, just looking back, it, it's, it's, uh, you got to be careful with stuff like that. And uh, we, we made a mistake there and we owned it. So um, it's kind of moving forward. We need to make sure that we're a lot more diligent and um, really intentional with our actions uh, when it comes to liquidity. Cool. I mean, I look forward to it. Like Tank said, you guys talk and act like a real, a real business. You guys have a lot of, a lot of moving parts. It sounds like, but at least your, your business is kind of just galvanized around that one, that one theme, right? It's like, Hey, we do storage. We do it similar maybe to other providers, but there are advantages to doing it in Cosmos and also doing it on blockchain, whether or not your customers need to know about it. That's a different story, right? Yeah, 100%, right? Um, Jackal, it's an L1 chain purpose built for storage. And uh, we we want it to be as modular and as adaptable as possible. Um, and we have the benefit of being a last mover advantage in that where we can kind of seal the different tech stacks where a lot of people made mistakes and make sure that we don't make them, right? And uh, what we, we like to think it's the, uh, it's the, it's honestly, we believe it's the best and most scalable storage network in, in Web3 right now. And uh, we're excited to continue to build it out and uh, bring bring it to all kinds of ecosystems where anyone can access it with a simple smart contract call or businesses can leverage it, whether it's uh, through APIs or self-hosting or hopefully blockchain technology gets good enough. So the distribution of uh, this interesting about blockchain companies in general is you're boxed in by the wallet providers and the distribution is kind of owned by the wallet providers. So um, eventually we're going to have to kind of, uh, if we're looking to, move into the web two space, we need to abstract all the crypto and, and wallet stuff into the background of an application. So it's a, uh, it's number one is, is just continue to, to do us right. And continue to just ship an awesome protocol, awesome product. And next steps is just kind of focusing on making sure that we can continue to grow and continue to eat away at the ability for us to have our own distribution as well. And uh, that's our two focuses at the end of the day. Awesome. Here, let, let, let me let me help with that let me help with that because i'm going to do what, what i do every single time i go live use it guys use it i'm going to say the same thing i say every single time uh you know that we stream guys jackal protocol go if you have an nft project if you're like i know you know their focus is on the bigger fish and stuff like that but if you want to actually like look out for the best interests of yourself and the people that you're selling your product to use it it's cost efficient like i'm serious uh, I know the podcast use it. I use it. It's super cheap. It's freaking cheap. And it's easy to do when it's in the same neighborhood. It's in the same neighborhood that you guys love. It's the Cosmos ecosystem. Use it. Yeah, 100%. It only takes 50 cents to get started. Like with one Jackal token, you can um, try it out. It's a, uh, you can do actual due diligence, I guess, on your protocol. You can, you can try it out. You can uh, upload a file, download a file and you're, you're paying, um, it's, it's extremely cheap for like a two gigabyte one month plan. So um, we would love for anyone and everyone to, to get started with that, try it out. And uh, if you have any feedback or if you have any hiccups, please let us know because it's important for us to kind of continue to talk to users and um, kind of get our build measure line feedback loops going and make sure that we can continue to scale. Perfect, perfect. Um, all right, so I, for people that are listening, you know, we had Neutron on first, we have Jackal coming up. We have Nigaloo. We have Astro Vault. I, um, I originally scheduled these so that each, uh, each project has their own slot and no one has to kind of wait around to do their thing because there's a long space. So Ethan, 
originally I had you guys at like 1130 and I didn't know White Whale was uh, was going to come because I was told that they had a conflict, but now they showed up. Is it okay yeah, if I... You're good. You're good. I'm listening, hanging out. He uh, screwed awesome. it up, Ethan. That's time, brother. I mean, <laughs> and I got, I, got a, I got a kid on my shoulder here too, so I feel like I'm balancing a lot pretty good, but I definitely want to give White Whale their time because we did get cut short the last time. And Patrick, man, I really appreciated it. I'll, I'll definitely share out those links about the roadmap and go through it as well. Tank, I know that you talk about Jackal quite a bit on your stream, so people want to subscribe to that. That would be really awesome. And it's good to see that a project, you know, like Tank said, it's a real business. They're using blockchain, but their product is not a token. Their product is something that's useful. And in my opinion, it could be looked at as a commodity, right? So, um, yeah, thank, thanks again, Patrick. Really appreciate your. Yeah, right on, fellas. Have a great rest of the day. Later, brother. Cool. Um, all right. I think what you guys are going to see the theme today, these are all guests who are very good at articulating exactly what their their individual products do. And these are some of like the unsung projects in Cosmos. Like I don't, I don't want to say they're overlooked, but they're definitely not given as much as much fanfare as some of the projects that are like brand new and they're riding a wave of hype, or maybe they just, you know, have gotten by without being able to articulate exactly what, what their, their product is. White Whale has a very unique product in that they have cross-chain liquidity with all these different derivatives. They're bringing on NFTs. They're partnering with, with Rack, who we all love. So maybe... Um, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait a minute. I want to give these guys flowers for a second. I got to disagree, man. These guys, these guys are the, the, the unsung heroes that actually can, like you said, I will agree, that can describe and articulate what they're building. And that's why it's reflecting on their charts. Look at Whitewell. Look at what Ethan yeah. and, and Eric are doing with, with their growth on TVL. Look at Neutron. All of these guys. And look at, look at Jackal. Hello there. All of them Sorry, are growing. I, I have to rejoin. Uh, I think I'm lagging here badly. So, uh, oh, yeah, you can't, you can't hear Tank. If you leave and come back, I'll bring it right up. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but no, yeah, all of these guys, all of these guys have great metrics. And it proves, it, it legitimately proves that they are the ones actually growing and scaling uh, realistically, sustainably, and maintainably in our space, right? Like, it's it, like, I don't know. I, it's it's really funny. It, yeah, it, it's I, these guys are all great guests, man. Neutron, Jackal, Migaloo, Astro Vault. Like they're they're all freaking they're all crazy guests, dude. I think this is the way that the space has to go. I think prior to the past bear market, a lot of projects, and it, we've seen it with NFTs probably even more than with fungible tokens, where the less information a project puts out, the more people want to buy the thing because there's so much there's so much confusion it leads to like false hope and also like excessive speculation. When you have a product that's doing something specific and teams are hammering out their roadmap and there's no mystery about it, they tend to not get hyped up when really they should. And I think that's just because kind of like an immaturity in the space on the, on the side of the buyers of tokens, whether it be NFTs or fungible tokens. I don't know if you would agree with that. No, no, I, I totally agree. And I want to get our guests up here speaking. I'm sorry to interrupt and, and say that, but it's, it's really funny because we were having this discussion uh, in the circles that I'm in all the time about, you know, as actually, I'll be honest about some of these uh, projects in particular, 
Uh, and it's, it's you know, this, uh, the tell is old as time. It's value is boring. Value uh, is boring. Speculation is everything in this game, right? Like nobody cares if you actually have something valuable and you're trying to build and stuff like that because that means it's slow, it's sustainable, it's maintainable. It's not exciting, but it's realistic, right? Uh, you, they People are just degenerates, man. I, I want to go, because I'm an I old agree. Boomer, but I want to go agree. to sustainable, maintainable uh, growth, man. That's that's where I want to be. When, when I was uh, first getting into stocks, and I'll make this really short, you know, I always had mutual funds in my retirement account, but when I started buying individual stocks, the stocks that always interest me were like, the micro cap startups that just went public and there was a lot of mystery around their business model and also like the sector itself. So I'm buying like a lot of marijuana stocks, a lot of bullshit because I look at the blue chips of like Microsoft and Coca-Cola and I'm like, that's so boring. You mean they just stay at the same price and pay out a dividend? I, like that's so stupid. Who the fuck would buy that? Meanwhile, all my pot stocks have gone to zero and like 90% of my portfolio is now in these like blue chip mega cap dividend paying monsters that are going really nowhere unless there's a massive you know disruption to the entire planet right so i think that the projects that are doing things sustainably and boring they'll survive market cycles whereas these exciting projects and a lot of them are nfts right not, uh, not that you guys are boring by the way <laughs> no not boring but but they lack they lack the mystery that creates a lot of hype right so anyway I'll let White Whale just give a one to two minute elevator pitch about what they're all about. And then we can get into, I really want to ask about the different tokens that are, that are offered, whether they be derivatives or the Dow tokens and, and whatnot to give people some clarity. Cause you know, Migaloo does have a lot going on and we got cut short last time. So feel free to take over for the next minute or two, give, give new people like a general idea of what you guys do. And then we'll dive into specifics. Yeah, happy to. Hi, everybody. Uh, I might not be the one who is expected. So uh, like you said earlier, Sencom had a little bit of a hiccup. I don't know what happened, but uh, he, he threw me into the spaces and said like, oh, can you take over spontaneously? And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> let's give this a shot. So um, hi, everybody. Uh, Ponzi Ninja here speaking. Um, and yeah, about White Whale. Um, the best way to describe us right now is we're building cross-chain DeFi applications, I would say, in a nutshell. So we are providing basic DeFi primitives like DEXs, um, flash loans, um, NFTs, um, or, or so to speak, uh, NFT-Fi. Uh, through Backbone Labs, um, Aris Protocol is part of our ride group as well, and um, we are we are delivering these DeFi primitives to chains that are that don't have the resources or don't uh, frankly don't want to spend the resources building them all by themselves. So that is our our basic basic elevator pitch I, I would say and then we have our own permissionless uh, blockchain which is called Migaloo and there we are really trying to push like the DeFi boundaries uh, so we we have 
a lot of experimentation going on with Alliance from Terra um, and I don't know, liquidity hubs that pay out real yield. So we are always on the edge of DeFi, I would say, and and trying to to break stuff and also innovate. So uh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate that. And that does give a good picture of what you guys do. When I first talked to Sencom, uh, he came on my YouTube, like it was like a year ago. And one of the things that impressed me about White Whale was that you guys were actually genuinely trying to do things cross-chain versus what a lot of applications and blockchains do is they launch something redundant. They enable IBC hoping to kind of take liquidity from a competitor or whatever the case might be. And, and I was like, wow, White Whale's actually cross-chain. They're actually doing things in a way that could benefit the, the various chains where they're, where they're deployed on, right? So you guys are on what? You're on Say, you're on... Uh, Chihuahua, you're on Juno, you're on Migaloo, that's your home chain. So you have like these satellite DEXs. And what people will notice when they go to the DEXs, not your typical pairings. You guys have a lot of derivatives. Do you want to speak to the different liquid staking tokens that are that are there and what the differences might be? Yeah, for sure. Uh, but first, uh, to double down or to piggyback on what you just said, we're, we tried cross chain from the beginning and we we're having like a different a little bit of a different approach than most chains so what people have to realize is with our decks liquidity stays on chain and i think that is a feature that that cannot be highlighted enough and they, frankly it gets lost some some of the times and don't really mentioned but that is so much better in in our opinion for for the individual chains because if let's say for example if white whale were to go down it doesn't really matter for that individual chain because liquidity is on that chain right so uh, it doesn't it doesn't really matter if Migaloo goes down if any other cosmos chain goes down and we have seen this already right uh after the uh, after the terror crash like chains actually can halt or i mean osmosis ha has been halted before and this really doesn't affect other chains so yeah uh, i i think that that's that's really important uh that's a really important feature that distinguishes us from uh, other chains and um regarding the lsts uh, so we have like i mentioned the right group before and this is really for uh, cross-chain building so with our expertise so to speak that we built over the last two years we uh founded this right group in which we integrate all sorts of builders that want to build cross-chain and two of these builders are actually um, Aris Protocol and Backbone Labs. And Aris Protocol and Backbone Labs, they both issue, um, the, like you said, derivatives or liquid staking tokens. And these are all, uh, these are all uh, cross-chain as well and are not only confined to Whale itself, but they're also issuing them on Juno. So there's AMP Juno and Bone Juno. There's AMP Whale and Bone Whale. There's AMP uh, Luna and Bone Luna and so on and so forth. And um, th they have uh, 
also like you can ask the question now why two different liquid staking providers right and the answer to that is really first of all uh, it's not really good to have only one liquid staking uh, provider like we see the centralizations problem on ethereum right now where lido has the majority of stake and there's this danger that if lido i don't know acts in some bad way that uh, affects the whole ethereum network we wanted to prevent that in the first place and then also uh, they have also distinct um mechanisms uh, in which they um in which they trying to attract value so amp or aris protocol with their amp assets is really focused on uh, DeFi and arbitrage for example they have all in, in pretty much in all chains these arp tokens which are really interesting so the way that works um is if i can explain it real quick is um you have your liquid staking derivatives and you can trade in and out of the liquid staking derivative on white well so let's say for example amp juno to juno has a set ratio right where you can unstake and then wait 21 days and then you will receive your underlying juno but if you trade in and out of these um liquid staking derivatives sometimes a whale doesn't want to wait 21 days right so he dumps all of his liquid staking derivatives on the market which um which um depacks the lst price so amp juno is then cheaper to get and an actor that is willing to wait 21 days can then buy these amp juno for uh, for a cheaper price and then just unstake this amp juno um for 21 days and make a profit uh, profit off of that and th this is a really cool mechanism which eris protocol automated in their arbitrage vaults so you can buy for example arb whale and this mechanism will uh, be will be used in the background automatically and you will receive right now i i think it's oh, way over 30 percent on on real yield on on these arbitrage walls so that is really cool and then on the other side backbone labs has this really cool mechanism where they issue NFTs on each chain uh, through the Gravedigger website, which is really cool. Uh, you should actually um, go to their website and check it out. And um, part of the liquid staking yield, the, uh, or part of the staking yield, which is um, um, is redirected to NFT stakers. So you're actually getting uh, staking rewards by staking these nfts which gives them an additional value uh, on top of the art which is in my opinion the way to go to uh, for nfts so it's we are we are done with oh just uh, profile pics and we we have to come up with new use cases right now and um, i i think that's that's a really uh, cool mechanism to start with with backbone labs but thank you i have a question now i have a little bit of a alpha announcement if you don't mind uh, joe is gonna 
Do it. John knows this. Uh, so Let's go for working it. with JG, working with uh, Backbone Labs, uh, we are launching here. You guys will know more within the week. We are launching a project for Juno using their outposts to expose Juno into uh, an ecosystem uh, or a, a product suite of sorts. Uh, yeah. So be on the lookout for that, guys. Loading up, loading up, loading up. That, that's awesome. So is it going to be like a Maneki type brand or? Totally different. Totally different. Okay. Totally different. You're going to love it. You're going to, you guys are going to love it. I'm telling you right now. I got to have you and uh, JG on NFT happy hour soon, which is good because yep. we're, 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 we're dying to have, have interesting guests. And I think, um, I, I think I told you this, I soured on NFTs like the last couple of months. Cause I'm like, they're kind of boring. People just keep launching profile pictures. I want to see integration into apps. And I think when I, when I first talked to JG, he's like, we're going to use NFTs in DeFi. And I said, okay, cool. I want to see it. Like, I want to see it happening. And I do have those, um, I call them Ambito whales. I have those Ambito whales and uh, they do pay out. They're, they've been paying me out. So I guess, I don't know if it's every week or every month, but I know that I get bone whales sent to my wallet just for holding yeah, these NFTs. I've been, I've been getting a little sour too. I've been, I've been listening to you say that and I agree. I've been the same way. The, the ones that, not that I, I'm not talking trash about any of them. The ones that I've been more interested in, like recently, is those those whales. I have those. I have uh, you know, those penguins that happened. Uh, I think JG calls it NFT Fi, which I absolutely love. Yeah. Think, did he make that up? NFT Fi. I absolutely love that. I've heard Shane say it too. I think. I, oh, I think okay. it's I think it's a great. Uh, I think it's a great way to look at NFTs. Is it's another token that can do something that a fungible token might not be able to do, and you can integrate it into an app just like a fungible token. But it's an NFT. It happens to have a picture on it. The picture is the least interesting aspect of the NFT. I think that's the, the, the idea. Yeah. And what's really cool also is, I mean, stay, uh, like the, getting these rewards is one thing, but the, this can be built out, right? Uh, I for, forgot the name of, of the project, but we got contacted by a project. I think they're their own uh, Cosmos chain. I'm really blanking on their name right now, but they, they want to. Uh, no, I don't think so. They're they're South Korean or something, and they want to enable lending against NFTs in in the cosmos. So they have their I'm, bullish. Own... I'm bullish on the South Koreans. I'm just bullish on them. Period. Yeah. <laughs> same same here. You know me. I, I consider myself half South Korean. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, if you think about it, I mean, you you can uh, you can have like yielding nfts that you're you can lend against if that's not bullish i don't know what is guys yeah that's i think what i want maneki to finally be like evolve into yeah. bro i mean you could you could look at the, and you know the token can represent an underlying real yield flow right and it, 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 it just because it's a picture doesn't mean it's only a picture i like this and i would like to see I like to see White Whale doing it because you guys are going to do it on different chains at the same time, probably, and people will get to see it. Maybe they, maybe they don't use Juno, but they'll get to see it on Chihuahua. If they don't use Chihuahua, maybe we'll see it on Say, and it'll be kind of ubiquitous across the ecosystem sooner than later, which I like. Not just NFTs, only in basically two places right now in, in Cosmos, which is you know, Stargaze, Omniflix. I want, I want to see them everywhere. But this, this, is, this is good to hear. Because, you know, and you know, you could use 
NFTs as some kind of derivative as well, right? That was like the original, one of the original token standards on Ethereum. Um, they're, they're called emblem vaults. They used NFTs to wrap private keys for portfolios of diversified sets of assets. I would love to see that make its way into Cosmos at some point. That's really interesting. There's a project, I think, uh, which is building this. <laughs> I'm blanking on the name again, but uh, I, I think there's a project uh, that does that. And uh, we, we've talked to them actually about listing their listing their token. I forgot about it, but it, it's it's exactly what you're describing. Like they said, like oh, you can build individual ETF portfolios that are represented as an NFT. Yes, and yeah, that's not even a new idea. It's just that no one's really made it mainstream. I think I think that started in like 2018 or something like that. And on Ethereum, the company or the protocol, it's called Emblem Vault. And I don't have all the information, but when I first read about it, the reason why I read about it was because I couldn't understand how Bitcoin inscriptions were trading on OpenSea, but they were using Emblem Vault technology. You basically, because Bitcoin didn't have any markets, you buy an inscription and they send it to you on Ethereum wrapped in this token that you could trade on OpenSea. And then when you're ready to take it, take custody of it into your Bitcoin wallet, there was some protocol that unwrapped the token and sent you the, the, the underlying asset. So it, it, it solved the big problem in, in the beginning But I think we could go even further. Like you could literally have an ETF that just looks like an NFT, but in the metadata, you know, it's it's a whole diversified set of set of assets. I mean, well, Meagle is the perfect the perfect uh, place to do something like that because you could trade them cross chain very easily. I'm sure through your satellite markets, if that was ever to happen. Yeah, 100. And also because we have dexes on so many chains we have exposure to so many ecosystems right so that that makes total sense and also i, I personally so that i'm i'm speaking a little bit unofficially here but um i i actually had this idea right now that i'm trying to push push the team towards that all our satellite markets so let's talk talk a little bit uh, about our satellite markets because i think they're overlooked sometimes as well so the way uh, the system works is um we have dexes on all of our chains and uh, that we are deployed on and uh, people swap there every day and at 3 p.m utc um the swap um re or, or the protocol yield is swapped into whale over our decks and it gets paid out to bonders and bonders are people that have either amp whale or bone whale uh, which they bonded to our satellite markets right and we recently because we wanted to make this more attractive um lowered our onboarding time from 14 days to one day just be, because uh, like 14 days <laughs> it's is so long in crypto i remember having my <laughs> a little bit of a personal story here but i remember having my ust in osmosis locked for 14 days that didn't work out too well so um so we we wanted to have like a short uh short on bonding time and 
you you'll get these really high yields. I think on Megalo right now, I can look it up right now, but we're six, 68% real yield on, on the Megalo satellite market, right? So, and you, you will get this yield uh, paid out in whale um, every day, um, 3 p.m. UTC, like I said. But my idea was it, like, for example, on Megalo, uh, like real whale yield is fine, right? Because people that are bonding to the Migaloo, um satellite market are bullish whale on general. But I, I thought to myself, okay, what could we do to have also not only whale bulls to bond to our satellite markets, but also external people? Like, for example, let's say, injective it's a hot chain right now right we have an injective satellite market what would bring me as an injective general injective user but not white whale user to bond to the uh, megaloo satellite uh, to the white whale satellite market and i thought maybe we should implement and i i would actually love to hear your thoughts on this as well um what if we would pay out the yield not only in whale, but for example, 50% whale and then 50% INJ on injective or 50% always of the native token of the according chain. Would, uh, I think that would be, would be a really good idea to, to attract more bonders and also external people who are willing to widen whale because they're getting an, an super high yield in in their native token. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good way to go for two reasons. Number one, like you said, the people that are using Injective, they probably care more about the Injective token than any other token because they're, they're using that blockchain. And the other thing is, I would like to see a push for projects to pay out in the layer one token or ideally a stable coin eventually rather than their own token, if they're a project that really doesn't need a token so much, I understand that you guys are a layer one, you do need a token, but not everyone's using your layer one. I think there's a good way. It's almost like outreach to the, um, the satellite markets. And if you're going to use injective, yeah, I mean, if I was a, if that was happening on another chain, I would definitely be more likely to take a look for sure. Yeah, 100%. And also, it's also always the feeling like, for example, I personally, I, I use GMX, right? Or I'm I'm a GMX staker, so to speak. And I'm every day getting more Ethereum. And if you're getting your yield in a different coin that the project is not able to print, you know, that, that's the feeling of real yield, you know? The, I mean, we have real yield on our satellite markets at the moment as well, right? It, it, it is real yield, but it doesn't feel really like real yield, maybe for some people, because it's still only the whale token that gets paid out to, to bonders, right? But if you would get the native gas token of that chain, that would actually feel like for for everybody because then there is there's no discussion i mean white whale cannot print injective right so this uh, that would be i think i think that would attract a lot of people in, well, in well, my opinion way, if you guys were able to launch on uh let's say neutron and you were going to pay out some yield in atom tokens it would absolutely have 
have my attention and would probably get the attention of some people who are using osmosis primarily and they're interested in what's happening on neutron that might be like a push to like at least bond some liquidity there even if you are lping on another dex yeah yeah i i think that's that's a good idea uh and and the way to go uh, in my opinion i like i said the, like the idea within the team is not i mean it, it's my idea i i have to push more for it but uh but i think i think that's that's the way to go and like you said like for example atom i mean we could even split i that, that would be a a bit a little bit further out but we could even on every chain pay out atom so we could pay out a third in whale a third in the native gas asset and a third in atom right um that would be totally feasible as well because like i, I said it's what, really you, good. what you could do is you could do that almost like have tiers of liquidity providers let's say if you're providing liquidity under a certain amount you don't have the option to get paid out in the other tokens, but it might push people to bond more tokens if they're getting paid out in a different, a different, you know, layer one. I think there's value to that. And I think it might, um, you might get some, some people who didn't plan on becoming quote unquote whales kind of, it might tip the scales for them because they, Oh, I'm going to get paid out an atom. I'm going to get paid out an injective. These are part of my portfolio anyway. And even if they're not buying, well necessarily in the beginning down the road they might get converted that's a really yeah sorry i was gonna say yeah it kind of gives me the vibes it feels of like kind of what kajura does where it's like i just take it and i get a basket back of yield and uh you know i've i've, I've always been a kind of a fan of that like i like it see i, I don't like getting the basket because it's a lot of it's dust but if it was like a layer one token like adam or injective is a good example like these are top 50 yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely. Yeah, not I, I, I do like right. that. I mean, I do have, I have whale, I have arb whale, I have bone whale, I have all of them, <laughs> and I, I bonded to. I think I bond to the Megaloo satellite, and I think I'm bonding to Juno. I don't know. I got to double check, but I, I like using the protocol. You do have to use it to really figure out how it works. There are a lot of tokens, and actually, for the last couple minutes, was wondering if you could give us a quick overview of some of the other tokens right you're going to have well first of all you guys have a good relationship with raccoons that's awesome people love raccoons even though on spaces the people with the raccoon pfps are the most annoying people probably but but um you have ash you have guppy you have what are the other ones you have uh i got ride right or sale can you just quick comment on some of those even if you don't want to speak for the projects that you're not involved in necessarily yeah sure uh, i mean yeah th these are all part essentially of the of the right group uh the um or the maybe they formed natively in the Migaloo ecosystem like in the in case of the ash dow but um we also have uh le let me give you a quick overview over the tokens and then i actually want to want to give you some airdrop alpha uh, if that sounds good to you um so let's let's talk about ash so um ash um, is a burning derivative of whale essentially so um we had this idea i i think a couple of months ago to to uh, implement or to launch um or 
uh, someone came up with the idea to launch a furnace and what the furnace is is you can send whale there and receive this burning derivative derivative ash and that kind of developed into almost a, a meme token <laughs> without the uh, the price appreciation although it it, it made a 1000x or something and almost reach or at some point reach parity with whale which is crazy um but um through that, the Ashdal formed and they launched an actual meme uh, token, which is called Guppy. And the idea is um, to basically um, have the Ashdal like, diff generate different revenue streams for them and uh, push the Migaloo ecosystem forward so um, they, they can get the word out and um, have, have a sustainable uh dow and um then like you said we're uh, working super closely with raccoon there they don't have only their uh, gambling application which is really cool you guys uh, should check that out as well definitely they have some cool uh, gambling applications but they're also building uh a native Migaloo project right now, which is called Shark. And uh, Shark is a prediction market. Um, and the, the, the and I highly recommend reading their white paper. It's it's not too technical uh, and it's really easy to understand. And it's super cool tokenomics. So the tokenomics are really awesome in my opinion, where you can stake Shark and essentially take the counter position of um, all the people that are betting, for example, on the Bitcoin price in the prediction market, and you you get your yield from that. And I can tell you guys, the traders are wrong most of the time. So this uh, this is actually uh, this should be, in my opinion, highly profitable <laughs> because uh, people get uh, get overwhelmed by the emotions and then they, they, they will take crazy bets and you uh, if you're like a calm uh, calm guy who who can stand the volatility i i think such such protocols are a great yield opportunity and it's also frankly fun fun to play around with right it's sometimes yeah you want to actually want to take a bet like oh let me let me see the bitcoin price right now i i think it's going to be higher you know and then you you can you can uh, bet on 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 it's getting higher and lower so i i think it's it's a super fun application and and people 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 will love it actually um yeah and um now um, we actually passed our prop on osmosis and now we're getting to the real uh, juicy airdrop alpha here and um, the way that we structured the deal with um, osmosis is the sale down will have 1 billion token in total 500 million so half of the supply will remain with the DAO with the uh, sale DAO that is going to be um, founded or that uh, has been already founded and 400 million will go to Osmos stakers 
400 million sale tokens and 100 million will go to the Migaloo e ecosystem. So right now you might be thinking, and I'm actually, I, I don't know if I can uh, officially give you this information, but I will anyway. So <laughs> yeah, you guys can do with do it what, what you want. Yeah. <laughs> um, so 400 million to 100 million sounds on, on first sight is like, oh, okay, osmosis takers will receive a lot more sa sale token, which might be true in absolute terms, right? So th they will receive 400 million token. But I think um, way over 80,000 wallets are eligible for that airdrop. So the, these 400 million sale tokens um will be um distribu distributed to over 80,000 wallets and just a little bit for context where where like give you a rough approximation like how the sale token is going to be valued so um, osmosis committed like 3.5 million osmo to the sale uh, sale dial and white whale uh, 10 million whale, which is like uh, 500,000 from the whale side. And I think roughly, so where's the Osram price right now? Is it $2? Almost $2, right? So uh, 7 million roughly, uh, $7.5 million roughly. Uh, let's say the TVL becomes the market cap of the sale token. 400 million goes will go to Osmos takers. And 100 million will go to the uh, white whale um, or mega, to the Mikalu ecosystems, and you you have to do missions for that. And uh, maybe uh, Joe, you can uh, pin up the tweet um, where where we posted the missions. Um, and yeah, I think Sencom Sencom said today uh, there are uh, right now two and a half thousand wallets. That I have qualified for um, for the sale airdrop. So one hundred million for two uh, two and a half thousand wallets compared to four hundred million for eighty thousand uh, over eighty thousand wallets. So this sale airdrop is gonna be super juicy <laughs> for for the white whale community. And if you complete these missions, I think that's going to be worth your time i'm i'm not that big of an airdrop hunter but um i i'm, I'm telling you i found this one because the, the, this is going to be a, a great opportunity in, in my eyes that's some good info i think i, I am going to do the um, i did post down below and also above a tweet that went over the sale airdrop missions the missions are basically you could look at it as like a tutorial of how to access the different tokens and what you can do with them. So it's not like a senseless set of missions. I kind of like that. I do like giving higher airdrop amounts for people that actually familiarize themselves with the platform. I did not do the missions for the last one. I regretted it. I got a little bit of the airdrop just because I'm in the satellite markets and whatnot. So I'll do this one for sure and um, see where it goes, but really appreciate all this info. Tank, do you do you have any whale tokens? Of course I do. Of course yeah. I do. All right. Well, um, Ethan's been waiting. Um, I'll let you. I'll let White Whale just any last minute alpha you want to give. Otherwise, I'll definitely share the info about your 
submissions and, and anything you guys have coming up, please send it my way, DM or Telegram even. And I'll, I'm always uh, supporting these cross-chain, these cross-chain protocols. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'll end it with uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, thanks for giving me time to speak. Uh, it's always great uh, to share also with uh, maybe outside communities what what White Web is cooking up and what, what is happening in the Migaloo ecosystem. So really appreciate the time you're giving me. And um, yeah, guys, the, the only thing I'll say, complete these missions. I, I think it's it, it will be worth your time and um yeah uh when there will be new updates we we are cooking uh, several things we have some 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 deals coming up uh don't want to disclose too much right now but we are also working on a v2 version uh, which will which will have per permissionless pool deployment so any project can uh will be able to deploy pools on any chain there they want so that's that's going to be a, a big update on on our roadmap um but um other than that uh yeah uh, once again appreciate your time and uh i'll i'll let the next speaker come up here and and share totally about it. we'll catch up i do like to check in every now and then because migaloo has a lot going on they're on different chains they have lots of partnerships lots of tokens that are not you know, the tokens that you would think in a deck. So I think it's worth doing the missions for the airdrop, even if you just care about farming the airdrop, you'll at least get to see how, uh, kind of how all the different marketplaces and the partnerships fit together. Can I, can I say one last thing? Uh, I just want to say, sure. yeah, guys, drop them a follow uh, on their Instagram. Uh, not Instagram, Instagram. Who the hell uses Instagram? Drop them a follow on X, AKA Twitter. Um, shout out to JG, shout out to, uh, backbone, shout out to the ride program. I can't wait to drop event 16, uh, more news to come soon, man. And we've got Eric here. I'm not Eric. I'm sorry. Ethan, Eric couldn't make it. Ethan, yeah, he's um, sick. oh, it sucks, man. I, I'm, my whole house is sick except for me right now. So I'm going to probably get it tonight. And, uh, we have, we have Ethan here from Astro Vault. Astro Vault is the Dexon Archway that has been somehow functioning perfectly without a token thus far. Isn't that right? I mean, I suppose we're, we're pre-token. Um, our token is going to be go live to auction on our new platform outbid this Friday. So that is literally right around the corner. Like and that is exactly what I want to talk about. People want to know about tokens. I think we have to talk about this because the way you're, the way you're offering this token is very fair. There's no quote unquote insiders. You are going to reward the early adopters of the, of the decks a little bit because they get kind of like a whitelist, but maybe you can give an overview of how you're launching your token and then we can get into specifics. If anyone in the audience wants to come up and ask questions because you are interested in this, uh, this token launch, um, you know, feel free to request, but this is our last project. So we could spend some time going over the ins and outs of the AXV token. Yes. Yeah, so um, like you stated, uh, we will be offering an airdrop to our early users. 
Um, so they will they will be getting that airdrop for the people that have provided liquidity that have came in and have supported the protocol. Um, but we will be launching our token on our new platform outbid. Just a little bit about Astro Vault before I get into that. Um, Astro Vault itself is an AMM index that actually earns revenue from the liquidity that it hosts. So all of the liquidity that's tied up in Astro Vault is actually earning staking rewards from the various layer one chains that it is attached to. So we're earning direct inflation from Archway. We're earning direct inflation from, from every chain that we're hooked up to. And um, so that's pretty fundamentally different from the way that things have been done. Um, we also have built in buyback and burns at the smart contract level for our token um, and have earned quite a bit of buyback and burn pressure already. Um, just from you know the activity of the decks, as you stated, things have been very, very active so far. Um, very appreciative of that. And I think we're going to see a lot more activity once the rewards go live. Because I mean, realistically, how many people want to operate where there aren't rewards? Um, granted, an airdrop is a, is, a, is a reward in itself, but... Um, we're looking at some real rewards coming after after the token launch. So a um, little bit on how we're doing that. Uh, we'll be launching our own platform for launching tokens on uh, on Archway to begin with. We will be stretching out to Neutron eventually. Um, we will have a deployment on Neutron that is like our next order of business after we get the token live. Um, that's our next big project is to get our, our instance live on Neutron. I think uh, that's very smart, by the way. We, we had Neutron on earlier, and I'm actually surprised that there aren't more apps when I heard Nolis was going over there, I said, okay, they're smart. They're going to, you know, branch off their own chain, put an outpost, whatever you want to call it, on Neutron. I think you guys will be a nice fit over there. That's great. Yeah, well, I think I think it's just best to, uh, you know, support as many chains as you can. And if you can build liquidity for other people, that's kind of our specialty is building this autogenic treasury liquidity. Um, we can do that anywhere for anyone. So why not build it over on Neutron as well and make more money and make more revenue and expand the AXV DAO, right? So um, with our with our token launch, we'll be doing a uh, kind of an auction where every bid is a winner. Okay, so think like eBay. Only every person that's bidding is actually receiving tokens. However, they're driving they're driving the bid of the token up. So to begin with, the uh, first users of our platform, those people that are going to be eligible for that airdrop. They're going to be our whitelist users. And for the first couple hours that the token sale goes live, only the whitelist users will be able to participate. Now, um, once it opens up, then and, anybody and what can you bid mean on there's, Sorry, what you mean is there's going to be a set amount of tokens in the time slot. The whitelist people will just get to buy those. First access. So, I mean, it could sell out in two minutes and the whitelist people could just clear out the first round. Um, it, it could also happen that that you know the whitelist people are a little slow to slow to respond, and then you know it goes on, and then it opens up. So it just kind of depends on on availability and and who's there and what kind of activity we've got on chain. Um, but the mechanism is there, and then um, from there, those same that same ten percent that same users will receive a bonus ten percent if they close the round. So if they're involved in uh, closing the round, the, the last bit of bids, they'll get a bonus 10% to their bag. Oh, this is so good. Eric didn't tell me about this part. Okay. Yeah. This yeah. Is awesome. So that's, that's, well, that's the other side of the shoe because here's the deal. Whoever, whoever has the last bid gets the remainder of the tokens if the round doesn't fill. Tank, what do you feel tank, me? Are you, are you so we're talking, tank? we're talking a massive bag if, if things aren't, you know, if things aren't moving as fast as we want. But uh, the problem with that is, is that every time you do that, the round increases by 30 minutes. So everybody wants to be the last guy holding the bag, but realistically, only one person can be, and um, it. it's incentivized to close. Oh, yeah, I was, I was excited when I was, uh, I don't know, Joe, I don't know if you were involved in their Discord meeting. I tried to jump in as much as possible. The reason when they were explaining this the first time, I was like, ooh, this is juicy. 
This is especially fair for Americans who have never been able to participate in an ICO. At best, they get a chance to buy the token off an exchange at like 10 times the price that the early insiders were able to purchase. This is very fair. It's very fair. Even if you you want nothing to do with the token, it's you you have to acknowledge that this is this is fair. And the whitelist is very fair as well, because a lot of people have been supplying liquidity on the platform in anticipation of this um, of this token launch. Right. So for legal reasons, we're obviously not marketing to U.S. users. <laughs> no, but, Ameri- uh, Americans should not use the uh, cough, cough. Yeah, You definitely. can watch it. Um, you can watch it unfold without being ge- geo-blocked is what I meant to I say. actually love Sentinel, though. You know, EVPN. <laughs> Solid team over there. So anyways, moving on. Um, I definitely, yeah, I, I'm definitely, uh, definitely stoked for the upcoming launch. Um, each round will increase by 8% per round. So there'll be more than one round. The first round will be like 0.5% to 1% of the supply, I believe. And then um, each round that fills from there will increase 8%. So kind of allows what's us to total, fill out. What's the total amount of the supply that's going to be allocated for this event? I believe it's 200 million, but don't quote me on that, Eric's the numbers guy. What, what percent is that approximately for the overall? Oh, the total percent? Uh, let me look. Just yeah, you can look at ballpark, and I'm just curious how this is going to look. I think it's like 10. So 10% are going to be for sale, and then in addition to that, there'll be a small airdrop. Yeah, don't follow me on that. Don't hold on. I have to pull up a okay. whole form and sheet here that I'm not, not up to date on. He changes it all the time. So. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a different way of doing things. Um, so yeah, basically you'll be you'll be getting tickets for each for each bid, and then at the end you'll be able to um, redeem your tickets for tokens. There is some vesting though. Each round, um, basically, it will add a month of vest for each round that completes. So the people that are in that first round will be vesting for the longest period of time if it goes on and fills all of the rounds, and the people that are in that last round will have their tokens available immediately. So that kind of creates a situation where the people that got the best deal are waiting the longest and the people that got the worst deal have their tokens available more quickly and kind of solve some of the fairness issues we've seen around, um, you know, the early buy-in people dumping all over the heads yeah. of the people that just joined in, you know, that was kind of an issue we saw in the past with different things like CoinList um, that affected different networks. And we were seeing some people having some really bad experiences where they were trying to get into these new projects and they, they were getting a good price. I mean, in retrospect, especially if you look at the chart movement in the last six months, a lot of these, a lot of these projects that people were complaining about ended up taking off um, with the start of the, bull, you know, this minor, entrance to the bull run but um, yeah no it, the, the the way that that initial coin offerings or whatever you want to call it whenever these things happen i think two things get screwed up i think number one i, I think the valuation of the token is usually way off like reality whether it's too high or too low and then the other thing that happens is only certain people are able to get in when they want to i'm curious if you you guys seem to solve the second problem here by making it open to you know, maybe, yeah, maybe if an American is on vacation in like Estonia, let's say, you're able to access this, right? But <laughs> the other problem, like I said, the valuations get completely screwed up. Do, do you think that this has also partially solved that? Like, is the valuation going to be determined kind of like by a wisdom of the crowd type thing? At least, yeah. At least- so it's kind of a middle ground on this one. So it's like it's like you have to set your base valuation which allows you to set like, you know, this is the minimum I'm willing to take kind of thing. And then, uh, and then from there, there is some price discovery with, like I said, each round increasing 8%, you could go up to a total of like, you know, as many rounds as you want. We can set it however, however many rounds you wish to go for. 
So theoretically, you could have price discovery up until you're, you stop selling, up until you no longer are able to fill the round. So yeah, I think it does solve on that side for sure. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Because, I, I, you know, stream swap was okay. I still don't know how price discovery is, is done in such a short amount of time. Uh, but I think your way is cool because it's more inclusive. So there'll be more people involved in the price discovery aspect. This is this essentially is going to price out the whole supply, right? So this is kind of a crucial event. Yeah, yeah. To determine, you know, what what the initial supply, what the initial uh, valuation should be, at least, right? And then um, it's also gamified, like I'd mentioned before. You're kind of pitting people against each other. Um, you can also set custom nicknames to stoke some rivalries. Um, you know, encourage some some back and forth. You know, definitely there, to keep some competition in the uh, in the mix. Yeah. Is there a dummy site that's live? Or is this going to pop up at like? We can work on getting a, a testable demo that that cycles or something. We don't have one live currently um, and available. Uh, we did. We have been doing demos in our Discord. What about uh, just like a, one like a screenshot of what that screen is going to look like when people logged in? Yeah, I can definitely. I've got. I got a bunch of them laying around. I can grab you one, Joe. No problem. And it'll be. And Eric told me it'll be fine on a phone with a loop wallet. Oh yeah, you should be good with Leap, uh, with Kepler, with a, with a ledger, with the phone. Doesn't should be good anywhere around. All right. We are cool. And then uh, I've been following Astrovolt for a long time. You guys were kind of supporting us as well on our end, you know, sponsoring NFT Nashville, which we definitely appreciate. Some people have been using the decks, not even knowing that a token is coming, but now they should know. They're going to see it anyway on the platform. What can people do with the token once they buy it? Let's say it's vesting or or whatever the process is. I buy tokens, let's say, in that first round of bidding. Now what do I do? Do I just wait for this period to to finish or can I do something with it immediately? Yeah, so the people that were at the end of the round will have their tokens available immediately. People that are vesting will have to wait for their tokens to unlock. Um, one of the interesting utilities of our token, and you guys were talking about earning yield in the native token, um, one of the things you'll actually be able to do with AXV is stake AXV to earn Atom or Archway or any of the various layer one tokens that we support infrastructure on. You definitely have to explain that a little bit. Yeah. So like I said before, one of the primary the, things that for oh, everyone that's listening, this is this is like a this is like a project token, but it's not really a project token, right? Astrovolt's not their own layer one, they're an app on Archway. But now you're saying I could stake this app, let's call it an app token, app specific token, and I could earn layer ones. You got to explain that a little bit. Yes, sir. So since since all of our liquidity is staked through our derivatives um, and, and remaining liquid at the same time, you can actually earn the various layer ones with your liquidity. So um, you're able to to get, you know, with, with your XP token, you can stake that and you can earn some of that arch yield, some of that atom yield, some of that you know, some of what the revenue is being pulled in through the infrastructure and through the liquidity that we're, we're hosting. Which is fundamentally different. Um, I, I, different. One of the things, yeah, one of the things that I wish AMM spent more time on is the economic modeling. That's kind of Eric and I's bread and butter is that, uh, you know, a lot of these projects have, have brilliant, brilliant, brilliant developers. Um, some, of, some of the most fascinating individuals I've ever met. I've had, you know, conversations with the crypto events. But unfortunately, a lot of these guys don't have a lot of experience in the economic arena. And a lot of this is just kind of like 
test and go and see how it works out and then adjust later. And um, we, we really wanted to learn from the things that have been done so far and really apply that in a way that that creates a long term sustainable solution for the downward pressure of AMM assets in general. Um, typically, they haven't been great investments for people. They haven't been great assets to hold. And so that has to change if we want liquidity to take off. If we want to rebuild liquidity in the cosmos, we want to bring liquidity to all of these chains. We want a thousand chains in the cosmos. We have to be able to support their liquidity. And there's like a mental block to get over as well. From the end user's perspective, you kind of take everything for granted. Like, okay, I'm going to buy this token. Why am I buying it? Well, I'm buying it so that I could put it in a liquidity pool, lock it up and get rewards in the same token. Right? Like that's kind of, that's kind of been the model for LPing and, and incentivizing LPing, but those rewards always go down in percent and also value. And you guys yes, have a different model. Yep. And it's because a lot of them don't have buyback and burn pressure beyond, you know, the basic market forces. And uh, unfortunately, if you're offering a rewards token, people are probably selling those rewards because they need to make their money. You know, <laughs> so you have to have some sort of solution that creates economic buy pressure in order to make it sustainable long term. And so we've we've created mechanisms to capitalize on our volume um, and, and then op operate at the smart contract level. And, and AstroVault is a DAO. It's, it's a multi yes, sir. DAO. EXP DAO. Yep. True DAO. And the right. uh, token holders of the DAO will be the ones with the same virtually everything. So correct me if I, if I get this wrong, but AstroVault is the app on Archway that's generating mm -hmm. revenue by hosting liquidity. That liquidity is staked onto various chains where AstroVault has their own validators set up that can earn more. You know, let's assume a token price to stay the same. That's going to earn more through staking. That's going to go to the DAO. The AXV token is, in some respects, also a governance token for that treasury, right? Yes, yes. And the AXV token and the various tokens that are in our LPs will have governance power over the various L1 ecosystems. So like if you're LPing Atom in an Atom pool, you should be able to participate in Atom governance still, right? You shouldn't have yes. to choose between staking and participating in governance. So that, That's the um, biggest problem that I think has to get solved with with governance is that the passive stakers are not necessarily the ones who make that blockchain or that application actually work. It's the people that LP, they take on all sorts of risks to LP. Sometimes they have to lock up their tokens. I know that Osmo kind of partially addressed this with the super fluid staking, which I thought was great, but you have to have a way to put skin in the game and also vote in governance as well. Yes, sir. And we need to build liquidity in the Cosmos ecosystem. You know, that come, that's like the, the end of the day. We, we absolutely need to rebuild the, the liquidity around here and we need to keep it building. Um, we can't have our liquidity going back to places like Ethereum, who already has an advantage on us, you know? Yeah. Well, earlier, Jackal was talking about, you know, they, they're obviously completely different than you guys in terms of what they're trying to do, right? They have their, their, their layer one token as well. They were talking about setting up pools outside the ecosystem on, a, I think he said Arbitrum or Optimism, I can't remember. Have you guys explored that at all? I know AXV is not live, but once it is live, is there an advantage to doing that for AstroVault to putting some pools, setting some pools up outside of Cosmos? Oh yeah, we definitely will scale to Ethereum and to Avalanche and to a variety of ecosystems in the future. Our model can go anywhere and actually our cross-chain routing um, will be able to incorporate those chains seamlessly which is really interesting. 
Um, but we're not we're not quite there yet. We want to get Neutron under our belt. We want to make sure that that instantiation is running smoothly, and then we'll be stretching our legs heavily from there. But um, yeah, Ethereum is definitely on the board, as well as uh, Avalanche and uh, a few other different ecosystems that we 100% will be deploying on and uh, utilizing with our main instantiation. So you'll be able to use the Cosmos interoperability with uh with ethereum and avalanche that's cool yeah and, and i don't know if you guys noticed but for a few minutes i scrolled down and the official account for maya protocol was down there maya protocol is different i wouldn't call them an ecosystem but they utilize they utilize cosmos um interoperability and they do swaps like one for one swaps curious if you guys have ever reached out to them because they're, they're very similar to Thorchain, but it looks like they deal with much lower cap tokens as well Interesting. No, I'm, I'm not familiar with them. I'll have to. I think they're a fr- like a friendly fork of Thorchain. That you know, Thorchain has mainly like the top, like the top twenty assets or whatever it is. Maya Protocol's got a, a variety of assets that are generally lower liquidity, and you could swap uh, between ecosystems that are just not interoperable. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, but I think then the future is cross chain, and I think the people that really implement. Uh, implement that well will succeed in the long term i think i think it's all about you know how well we can connect and how well we can we can build together and we need to make sure that our economic modeling is aligned on that front so yep well you guys are definitely doing something different and uh i think that's why it definitely resonates with people like me and tank because we you know we've seen these like projects that look they look unstoppable as long as the market conditions are absolutely perfect for their particular whatever place they occupy in their ecosystem like for osmosis obviously osmosis was great it was basically the first live application and it was a dex and it was a bull market and adam was 40 dollars, right so osmosis looked unstoppable they've had to change a whole bunch of things and it's going to take a lot for them to kind of recapture that magic without making probably some more drastic changes you know and you guys kind of obviously you're coming later right so you could see all the different DEXs that are out there. What, was there any DEX that you did take some ideas from or were you trying to do stuff totally different? I think uh, most of what we're doing is just completely different, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, I, I, I would have liked to have taken things from other DEXs, but the only thing that I was really, really interested in as we were going to do this um, was privacy. That was the one thing that we had considered potentially providing on the platform natively um that that we didn't include with the model that we launched on archway and the main reason that we didn't do that is just because of everything that happened with tornado cash and the potential legal ramifications if they determine that we're involved in money laundering so um it was one of those like risk versus reward kind of things and um i'm really bullish on things like railgun and different you know secondary middle layer privacy uh options basically and i think a lot of that stuff is going to develop over over the next 10 years or so and i think there's a lot of opportunities for people partner with us to provide something like that but but yeah that's the one thing that we didn't include i did bring up um crypto sailor from the audience um if you got a question man feel free to uh fire away yeah i did have kind of a general question i'm very much learning about some of these projects on your space uh kind of real time thank you very much for bringing on such great projects this is obviously Cosmos is, in my opinion, and if people have been following the technology evolution over the last several years, the number one uh, 
interchain ecosystem in the world. And the Cosmos SDK is probably now the most widely used uh, application framework to develop app chains. And there's a lot of really incredible things happening as a consequence of that. So this is the beginning of the internet of value. And in general, my, my kind of idea was uh, there are, yes, definitely ways to tackle tokenomics and um, look at things like how to incentivize uh, certain aspects of these applications. But also, what is, do you think, the key to providing value to the market from DeFi applications? Uh, Jackal, like you said, is somewhat different because they have uh, an application to uh, deliver a certain value proposition to the market. Whereas if we look at the DeFi space, as you've mentioned, uh, several existing projects, ThorChain, uh, friendly forks of that, Osmosis. What is, do you think, the key to delivering value to the marketplace for DeFi protocols in a highly competitive space? I think you touched on one key point, which is that these great projects have tremendous strength on the tech side, maybe not as much strength on the business and finance side. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, you cut out quite a bit there. I apologize on my end. Um, I'll try and answer that as best as I can. <laughs> um, I, I would say that, um, yeah, projects definitely need help on the, on the business and finance side. I would say that we um, personally are um, pursuing a lot of different angles to provide value to our token. One of the things that people aren't or haven't done historically is really look at value capture for the tokens that they launch. So they're launching tokens, they're creating the sell pressure, and then and then what gives it utility? What makes it interesting? What provides use for it? And, and a lot of that is just like, oh, I can sell it and make money. And so <laughs> there has to be more than, oh, I can sell it. You know, obviously that's like step one is to give it some utility. So um, initially you can use our token to stake for other, for other layer ones. Uh, we're also going to be setting up a plan or a program where we can partner with other NFT sets. And we can actually, you can actually equip an NFT to our pools and earn a boosted APR with our token for, for equipping an NFT. And we can also set up some really cool programs with those NFTs and using an NFT as a container for liquidity to earn extra yield and um, to earn on a basket and a whole bunch of different things in the NFT space that we'll be getting into in the next uh, probably year or so. Um, and beyond that, I think, I think a lot of it comes down to, uh, you know, kind of what you build and how you build it and how you integrate it, right? Yeah, that's a great point because <clears throat> I've been in the space. Maybe you see my profile over 12 years, mostly on the development side, also on some uh, project uh, bootstrapping and things like this. And there's been a whole entire notion of this cart in front of the horse mentality uh, where people were trying to get adoption, get adoption, get adoption. But it was kind of like adoption for what? Like a simple payments ledger like Bitcoin? doesn't provide hardly any external utility. So definitely on, you know, on not only the product development side, but also on the integrations and interfaces side, this is still, I mean, Web3 has still got probably a few years of evolution to go before it becomes in any way standardized uh, because, you know, L1 is the most important priority. So do you think you have um a strategy that's going to lead to your success for integrations how do you have you done anything that leads to any kind of unique approach in that regard 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and that's the interesting thing is we can actually scale to our own layer one eventually if we so decide. The reason that we didn't choose to start at the layer one level is simply because it would be a whole bunch of added expense to a new startup that we didn't want to take on out the gate. Um, we wanted to apply as much capital as possible to growth and to uh, making sure that we can we can continue building. And uh, all of this is self-funded. We didn't take VC funds because we didn't want to be beholden to special interests and we didn't want to have the you know, that massive cell pressure hanging over our entire community's heads down the road. So um, we're kind of doing things significantly differently with launching our own token and our own pad and all of that. Um, but but I think a lot of it is is based around, you know, how you set up the economics and how you set up your users for success. And so um, we're actually doing things different on the reward printing side, too. We haven't talked about that yet. Um, a lot of these DEXs are just printing rewards at a set standard rate. Um, our decks will actually be factoring in the profit, the uh, actual rewards we're making off an LP pool, and it will adjust the reward ratios accordingly to the revenue that we're earning so that we don't inflate ourselves down to a dangerous location. So it's kind of it's kind of learning from those past mistakes, creating new mechanisms and new ways of doing things, and then also capturing the value for what you create. So like I mentioned earlier, we're, we're, we're building those, we built that buyback and burn mechanism into the smart contracts of our exchange so all of the volume we're capitalizing on and then on top of that all the volume from our plasma pools our stable pools is actually retained as protocol and liquidity so our liquidity is not only growing from the layer one inflation directly it's also growing from all of the activity on our app so it's a uh, kind of a completely different way of doing things go ahead tank Make yeah that's a He's muted. Uh, yeah okay i i don't know if anybody else no go, my go last. ahead i was gonna i was gonna ask a question but go ahead no, I was just going to say thanks, kind of like a wrap-up. Thanks for taking uh, the chance to talk with you. I think you do have a, a lot of opportunity in the DeFi space. And uh, definitely, there's something I was wondering, just last question. Are, are you able to capture um, revenues with any kind of uh, sharing with the protocol that you're on? Do, do transaction fees for the layer one that your DEX is on in any way impact revenue for your model? And that's my last question. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, so they definitely do on Archway. On Archway, we actually get half of the gas that's spent on our contracts directly, which is really interesting. That's one of the reasons that we launched it on Archway to begin with, is just because of their different kind of unique modeling around the way that gas works and around those, those costs that users pay and how that can benefit a DAO or can benefit um, the people using a chain. Um, on other chains, it, it won't be as profitable. And, and yes, there is kind of a, a drawback from from the expense, like on Ethereum, you know, obviously um, things are, are quite expensive, <laughs> but um, I, I think we can work well in virtually any environment. Hey, that's awesome. Hey, uh, so I had a uh, question, Ethan. And I've yeah, been... Sorry to cut you off, but I'm going to make um, I'm going to make your question actually the last one, because I do have to get ready for um, I have Sonny coming on my YouTube in like 45 minutes and I want to make sure I have my, my ducks in a row for that. Otherwise, oh, sure, sure. If, if, if Ethan, if you feel like you didn't get everything out that you want to get out, we could definitely, you know, schedule another one of these, of course, maybe even talk about quantum club as well. But yeah, Tank, I'll let you ask the, uh, the, the last question. Yeah, I think, uh, sorry. Uh, and thank you. Um, Ethan, uh, forgive me. Cause I was trying to pay attention during the discord space uh, for outbid. Uh, what day is that again? And also, when we're bidding, is there a certain token? Is it going to be like USDC, or can we do it with Atom? Like what? Oh, good question. Stepping. 
I got about seven to $10,000 that I'm going to be waiting uh, and, and deploying. And I, I have no rhyme or reason. I'm just going to be watching and deploying it like sporadically as, as the bids come in, depending if it's hot or cold. And we'll see what happens. But I'll need to know like what I need. Uh, not that, you know, uh, yeah. I almost said something out loud. Uh, not the detail, that I'm in right? the U.S., but <laughs> yeah, the details, right? Okay, so um, yeah, we're 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 announcing we are we've announced that we're we're pushing that auction live on the nineteenth. It'll be at six p.m. UTC. That's Universal Time. That's six p.m. UTC, and you can participate if you're going to participate. You can participate in Atom, uh, X Atom, USDC Noble, USDC Grab, USDC Axle, and uh, IST. Nice. That's a good. That's a good uh variety. Nice spread. I feel like uh, it kind of gives people some stable options to participate that way. You're not having to worry about any fluctuating assets. Can, while you're... You, can you repeat it one more time? I, I did cut out a little bit. Absolutely. You're all good. Um, that's sick. We're going to be launching our outbid auction at 6 p.m. UTC on Friday. That's this Friday, the 19th. And that will be uh, again at 6 p.m. UTC. You can participate in Atom, XAtom, USDC Noble. USDC Grav, that's Gravity Bridges, and uh, USDC Axle and IST. Oh, very nice. And uh, of course, feel free, send me any info. Um, this week, I'm going to be putting together a little video for Astro Vault as well on my YouTube, just kind of how to get over there, the easiest route. Don't forget, if you guys never used Astro Vault before, you could use the decks without actually, without actually having any archway tokens to start. It'll do the... Uh, the first swap with Adam, I believe. Is, is Adam the only token that does the first swap with? That's how There's I got a couple it. different options. You'll have to look at what all they've added to it now. Um, I know that it's yeah. Adam. I think, I think there's a couple different choices you have um, cool. for bootstrapping. Yeah, so people, you can head over there without any Arch tokens. Initially, that first swap is on the house. First one's always free in crypto. And um, yeah, no, Ethan, really appreciate it. Everybody who's been listening this whole time, appreciate it. Tank, Tank, uh, Took four hour, four hours out of his day to hang with, or three hours this time, but usually it's more to hang with me. I appreciate that. Um, I was DMing Tank. I said maybe we should start calling this something different to make it more exciting. But we had good guests on today. Um, like we said before, these are four of the projects that could really articulate exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it. A lot of projects ha still have trouble doing that. Hopefully that changes in the future. But uh, yeah, I'll look to do another one of these. DeFi mega spaces in the next several weeks, maybe beginning of February, get some projects on. If you're affiliated with any project, just reach out to me. Happy to have you and um, just help people learn about what you're building, why they should care about it. And of course, where it fits into the, the overall ecosystem of Cosmos. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for having us, Tim. Appreciate you. Later, guys. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt. We rape them under the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and plate. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless, trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets, dead ends, dragging out the max amount of payments. Red down days, got them acting all bankless. Yo, fam, what? Check these tokenomics. They probing this bear, flexing broken honest. I had to lay my soul down. I'm just roasting honest. And then to end a long day, 11 bowls of chronic. Never known the politic, I was.
born to frolic It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom Over impossible loss, it's all moss And I'm liking the odds Fondue in the morning, forming mycological bonds Flick the cap, yo, the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse, misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lay Stacked and non-toxic Just to get a better place Smacking on the hostage Like the shit is play for keeps Clowns, white knight, and all these Maybelines They call it implausible When model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats Tearing apart your community All these low-hanging fruits Bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach Coming standard to each I'm on the back ten Stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management To grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts And send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release When I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers Drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs We got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king You better have some of each Motherfuckers Fuckers screaming out loud Looking for mercy Before they find themselves Working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse Misrepresenting the first come First serve mentality Stuck in the verbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds Of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Say and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Terror Spaces